to What Are You Doing Movie Archives. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Down in Front. Our movie this week is Down in Front again. It's our, yeah, it's our I love this fap, one. Fap, fap. It's our two-year anniversary. <laughs> Yay. Okay, anyway, uh, you're, uh, we're not doing a movie because we're doing the show, and we're doing questions, and we're doing stuff that people sent in, and we're doing all this. Uh, what was it last year? It was a Down in Front for our generation. There's going to be wacky bits and comedy, and who, who knows? There's gonna, and Dorkman's going to do magic, even though he's wearing a SARS mask. I can still do magic with a SARS mask. <laughs> All right, anyway. Uh, my name, as always, is T. Christie, and I'm joined by my friend Brian William Fenifter. Greetings. Michael Dorkman Scott. I'm high on life and a pretty rockin' fever, too. <laughs> Trey the Amazing Stokes. And I'm sitting right next to him. Ryan the Weber Weber. I'm just high. Matt Feta Veda. Live from L.A. Eddie the Eddie Doty. I feel very small right now. And Chloe Z. Zimmerman. I can't follow any of that. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> happy, happy second. This is our, uh, let's see, this will be our 101st episode. On the, uh, on, the, on the website, last week we put up our Raiders episode, and um, we've been doing this for two years, guys. What the, what the fuck? That's sad. It's, yeah, it's, That's it's, what we've been doing? It's pretty, it's pretty damn pathetic, actually. So, um, we, yeah, we have eight people on the mics. This is, this is kind of ghetto. We have four microphones and we're eight pr- people. We're practically Wu-Tang Clan. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, what, should we do what we did last year and start with Br- uh, Ryan's now traditional mashup clip? Traditional, so. Ryan. I'm not sure if two points of data constitutes yeah, a. I think it a takes pattern. three to become a tradition. Well, yeah. So. Now, but it does. We have we've set a trajectory though, so you have to do it again next year, or, well, there, yeah, or there, not. There, there are two points on the graph. You need three to plot a curve. Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. In any case, oh Ryan, god, we're set, talking set, about math. That's set this cool. up. Set this up. Well, hello everyone. Yes, as Teague just said, this is uh, episode 101. So we've you guys have done 100 episodes. Uh, if you tabulate that up, uh, that's uh, 216 hours of content Jesus. you've, wait, you've wait, recorded you, for the did show. Did you go from both years? Did that's you, both years. This no, is no. total. The, I mean, your mashup does it take? No, this no. Years? The mashup is only from this last year. Oh, but okay, I'm just okay. saying, the running total are 216 hours or nine days of uh, wow of down in front. If you played. Without sleeping. Sometimes. Ryan, how far could you get in nine days in space? That's, that's, that's uh, it depends on how yeah. fast you're going, but uh, far. Oh, yeah, yeah. The the Apollo only took about like four days to get this there. This is as fun I as our, our talk to, about vectors. And, I look and forward that. to hearing from the, the astronaut who listens to Down in Front <laughs> all the way there and back. Well, we should get someone to play it on the <laughs> space station at some point. That would be awesome. That's not completely impossible. Cool. Anyway, all right, so here we go. Uh, What you're about to hear is a mashup of some of the clips that I find funny, particularly out of context from this last year of uh, of Down in Front. Uh, I'm told for the chat room we may want to. Yeah, this is gonna not this is gonna work. into the mic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we haven't heard it either, so yeah, yeah. yeah. So go. hopefully it just works. All right, everyone lean back. Yeah, there you go. By the way, how much can we curse on this? As one? much as you want. Okay, great. Is my hooker here yet? She doesn't get raped in Rush Hour 2, but she does get knocked down by a big stick. What does a snow making machine do? Are, are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> Kathy Bates is. I like Kathy Bates. I, I, I Kathy like Bates. her with her clothes on. She's incredible. <laughs> the testicles are now diamonds. Well, what, what you suspect is happening is indeed happening. Mm-hmm. She's fucking that alien. Mm-hmm. This no, a- no, she's just being taken to the nest. Yeah. I thought she was fucking that alien. No. No, it looked like they were she just... She fucks the alien, though, right? 9-11, fuck yeah! This is a broken person crying yeah. that some shit went down, you know what I mean? 
This is what it was like when I was watching Wolverine in the theaters. <laughs> like, I, I, I really like slow movies, but I... No, you don't. No, I do. I really do. Wait, which I slow movie one. do you, you like? You hate Synecdoche, New York, and I love Synecdoche, New Synecdoche, New York. Synecdoche, New York is not... That's, it. That's not a movie. Thank you. That is not a fucking movie. You like that? I like it. What? That is a series of incidents that don't make any sense. They don't even fit together. Anthony, it's a tone poem. No. I, oh I will... No, 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 no. Just the fire... I'm feeling the urge what, to punch. What, what, no, I'm, I'm serious. The urge to punch. We just watched a martial arts movie and I've had two margaritas. Uh, there's going to be a Superman punch any minute now. I'm flying right across the room. Yeah. Think about it. A hooker jerking off Jesus. It happened. Uh, anyone else <laughs> killed a guy with a bottle or milked a cow or been in a civil war? No, but it is all on my bucket list. Yeah, I know it totally is. I like Jean-Luc Picard's movies, by the way. He yeah, did, he uh, also did Amelie. He did Amelie. Our, our and he did... Uh, Are we like committing both, to this? Both movies, yeah, whatever. <laughs> Jean-Pierre Jeannot, is that what it was? Jeannot, yes, yes. Jeannot. Most of those were before he got converted by the Borg. I yeah. should point that out. <laughs> George Lucas has personally filleted Trey. I wonder what the etymology of fellatio is, if it requires the mouth or if it can be some other part of the body. Where in the hell is this conversation going? <laughs> uh, that, that is the quickest way to a flat tummy and a delicious booty. That is a sexy blue kitty. I know, I will right? say. Total fucking failure, Brian Finifter. Uh, opinion, please. If it matters. As a kid growing up, I always wanted to be very, very tiny. I, I thought a lot about being very small and walking around on things. Well, let's ask Chloe. No, anyway. Oh, no, my God. Oh, then. Okay, no more drinking game for Michael. It is no longer a game. Yeah. <laughs> Chloe, you know I love you, so when I said you were being a cunt, that was really met no, with the love. Not, that was totally met with the, the love. I know. Uh, okay. And I was. I think that we've made doubt in front history because we've never used that word on this show before. <laughs> it's okay because it's not like this is going to be on the internet forever. What are you trying to tell me, movie? <laughs> tell me! What are you saying, Shake movie, movie by shoulders. Yes, exactly. What are you trying to say? What's that movie? Little girls trapped in a maze. <laughs> But 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 why movie? <laughs> no, but but that doesn't make any sense. Movie, go go back to the beginning and think about this some more. This commentary was like a really rough, grabby hand job, and then we never came. Oh, hey! Oh, almost. For a second there, it was almost not stupid. Although this this seems ridiculous, there is there is humility here. Uh, and 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 what's funny is that somewhere, dig deep. listen, guys, somewhere, somewhere, somewhere my giant cat. Yeah, the uh, smaller right. testicle is humble. Uh, once we put together the once we put together the forum. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> I'm gonna put that on next year's mashup. <laughs> yeah, a year from now you'll be hearing that clip. <laughs> Brian Weaver and Dean Weeden. Oh my god, that was great. Sorry, I just love the crap out of the the smaller testicle is humble. That, that's that's genius. I'm honestly trying to remember when I said total fucking failure, Brian Finnefer, and in what context. I have no memory of that whatsoever. I think that's when you were, you came in the door one day and you saw him and you were just like, no, you guys, you guys, and then I walked a, right out. We were out to dinner that one time and yeah, oh, oh that's right. No, that was the total. That was the grabby hand job. Oh, okay, that that makes more sense. <laughs> that was great, Ryan. That was awesome. Good yeah. job. Well I like. What was the music this year? Uh, it was some piece of public, some royalty-free music I got. Killertracks.com or something. Yeah. Cool. I like to, you know, b before it was just very short, like, little one lines, but, but you've got a lot of conversations in there that, this time. Yeah, there, there are a lot of just, and there are even longer ones that I wanted to put in, but then it would be, like, five minutes long, and three and a half minutes is already quite long. But there were really just brilliant little conversational bits that I wanted to do more than just the... Wow, that's really funny out of context, because then you get kind of numb to that when you're halfway through, and it's just like, yeah, that sure is random. Fair but, enough. Yeah, brilliant stuff. Great. Awesome. I, I'm, I'm giggling on the inside is there, still. Is there an even dirtier version like there was last year? Is no, there no. A B-side? No, no cutting room floor version. Okay.
Cool. Now we got uh, we had Matt Fade Veda fly out from Florida Yay. to be here today. Hey, people. Hooray. He's back. He's, we miss he, you. Yeah, and, you know. Yeah, I miss you guys. I, I I miss being out here. He was crying last night. It was. Anyway, while and, I was jerking off. Yep. And we both we went to In and Out and we had a, a down in front hoodie oh merch fight. Anyway, uh, so. Even though Matt's been gone, he has still been working as hard as anyone involved in the show that you you think about every time you probably hear the show. harder. Pro- well, yeah, because if you think about it, you get you guys sit around and you maybe you record two commentaries in in a every week. So what is that like? Maybe six hours. I spend eight to twelve hours every week putting the you know putting the enhancement and and whatnot together. So. so what is involved in this for the people that don't know what it is you do? Explain yourself. Oh, okay. Well, it's... where do you get off? What do you what do you get? A long time ago there was darkness and then um Where does your job start and end? It's well it's it <clears throat> it started last year when I was uh, when I would just come to the show and and just be here like a fly on the wall just listening and giggling to myself and uh with your and, dick out. Yeah, it, well, like you do. Hide your kids, hide your wife. And uh I would also come over here later in the week just to hang out and I would notice that all the mics and stuff would still be set up for, on from Sunday on Thursday. So one week I decided screw it, I'm just going to take everything apart and come to the next show like well, I know how to put everything back together now, and I just started doing that, and one thing led to another, and I. Then for seven months you were RPA. Yeah, so and and I basically just started thinking, you know, like down in front is a really cool thing. What can what can I do to contribute to make the make the show better? Uh, and it started with things like the album art and uh, the Amazon store and uh, you know whatever, and now I'm doing this. Uh, now it's it, it sort of evolved. I figured I had I, into the, uh, the I'm doing the PAL conversions now. I for uh, you know people uh, PAL people. I hope I've figured that out for you i haven't heard any complaints yet um and uh but more more so now what i'm doing is the uh this enhanced podcast thing which is basically i wanted a way to take all of the all of the topics that we used to go into the show notes and put them in context with the file so that when you're when you're listening and something come something comes up in conversation you can click on the link right away and you know, and go to whatever we're talking about, and uh, you know, and, and also, you know, I figured, well, what, what else? Well, what what else can I do with it? You know, I can drop in, drop in, uh, you know, screen grabs from the film, so that if you're, because a lot of people don't watch the movie at the same time, um, so that'll give you an idea of where we are in the movie uh, when you're when you're sort of watching it out of context. So you listen to every episode at least all the way through once. I well if I if I haven't watched the movie I have to watch the movie. By the and way, I'm, sor- have, I'm sorry I had to, to watch- do an enhanced file for Mulholland Drive. That sucks. <laughs> yeah, I had to watch Mulholland Drive like three or four times. Because <laughs> I hadn't seen it, so I had to see it to understand what was going on, and then yeah, I did, good luck like, with that. Yeah, and then I had work. to watch it with the commentary just to you know just to get an idea of what topics were going to come up, uh, and then I had to spend the. Eight hours. It's like it's like it's like screenwriters talk about. They're like, you know, I just sat there and wrote exterior desert dawn, and then I didn't think about how difficult that would be. It's the same with us. We we see her going. Oh, I think there was like a thing back in the nineties. Who was that actor that fucked Shirley Temple when she was seventeen? And then then he's got to go figure out what the hell we're talking about. (laughs) Eddie Eddie's the best one for any any commentary. I know that Eddie's on. I'm like, I just settle in for a twelve hour day, man. I'm gonna be because Eddie refers to things that you don't know how to spell and you've never heard of. But he's at least very specific. So the enhanced some, some I, tr- I do try to be as specific as I can. I don't try to just throw shit out arbitrarily. So the enhanced podcast though is is works on iTunes. Does it work on any other formats? It okay. Yes. Yeah, if you play it, it in Windows Media Player, it does the same thing. I think. Oh, does it? Okay. It does. The links don't work, but I think you get album art changing. Uh, yeah. You. Uh, it does work in QuickTime. 
Ah. Not not uh, if you're on a Snow Leopard uh, Mac, it does not work in QuickTime 10. You have to download QuickTime 7. Uh, it's better anyway. Yeah. So, Wait, QuickTime uh, 7 is better than QuickTime 10? Yeah. Does QuickTime know yeah. math? The, they're, they're, golf. They're, they're Just, different. Oh, it's like golf. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They should have just started at 500 and just worked their way down until they reached the singularity point of perfect. But, 500 uh, days of QuickTime. <laughs> cool. So, so yeah, it'll work, it, they work in iTunes and as well as uh, at QuickTime. And, and I'm hoping at some point here to put, <coughs> put a, like a video tutorial together. So uh. Anyway, Holden came out for the live show at Meltdown, and he got his applause, and I want Matt to get his. Thank you very much for all your contributing. Yeah. Matt! And for flying out to get your smattering of applause on the internet once. Yeah. <laughs> now go home. Cool. That's really yeah, about what it sounded seconds. like at the live show, yeah. too. So. Yeah, no, that was, oh, God, that thing. Should we talk about that? No. <laughs> okay. That was it went, it, it, I think it went pretty well. It was well. Yeah, yeah, we did a good job. We did a great show. Even though the guy, the guy at Meltdown, Sax, who I think we're going to have on at some point, he came up, he's like, do you want to hold off? Because there's, like, no one here yet. I'm like, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right before it started, he was like, so do you want to wait? Because, like, no one is here. And we're like, like no, no, we're no. Just, what he said just was, go. this is, like, not the showing you get from a bunch of favors you call in and, like, your friends and family. Like, he was really brutal about it. Yeah. He was like... Sa- Sax is kind of a bull gun of truth to, to yeah. the face. He, I was he, like, um, dude. Yeah. We said, no, we, we will... This is our audience. This no, is us. Nobody yeah. is, our, is our target audience. With that so said, he's go. been nothing but extremely complimentary, and he wants to, like... Yeah, apparently I mean, he's been he listening to the show, it. and he likes it. He's been listening to episodes, and he absolutely loves it. And he's very complimentary Once of everybody. Once you listen so. to the show, it, it's people, awesome, yeah. people respond very well. It's it's just difficult to talk people into listening to the show. Right. You have to trust us. This doesn't suck. Get out from in front of their computers and go to a place. Right. Anyway, do we have any uh, any revisions? Dorkman, did you want to do stuff talking about uh, things that we got wrong and you wanted to revisit all that stuff? I did, and... I did want to address a couple of corrections. I tried to go through and find some in the forums. Oh, uh, here we go. I've got two that I know of. Well, okay. b- before we do this, do you want to... Eddie, do you want to do your prepackaged thing about superhero movies? Uh, it's it's not really a prepackaged thing. It was just sort of a um, sort of I, I don't know. It's just something I've been like noticing a lot in, in other commentaries regarding the comic book movie versus superhero movie. Eddie's got a problem with it's, us. It's not really a problem. It's just I think it's a distinction without a disagreement. It's um, I, I there's a I make a huge huge we're in sort of this weird ground now because people obviously are making money off of comic book movies. So now there's a mad grab towards anything with a cape or a cowl. And uh, you're actually seeing comic book companies like start up now specifically so they can sell their IP to make movies and whatnot. And in the process of this, I think there's a lot of like really good uh, movies and, and stories from comic books that are sort of getting lost in the shuffle and sort of getting lumped together. And I think not all comic book movies are sort of built the same and not sort of all superhero movies are, are made the same. And just going forward, it's just one thing I, I, I want to make a huge distinction on is, is that we cannot classify – uh, comic book movie as a genre unto itself. Like it's not really a genre because they every single one is different. I mean, like I said, Road to Perdition with Tom Hanks, the the twenties gangster era thing. That's a comic book. Like that was based on a comic book. History of Violence with uh, Viggo Mortensen was based on a comic book. There's there's lots of things to be. Um, but it's so much easier to profile things. I, absolutely, and I and I, I'm guilty of it myself and other things I'm not as familiar with. But it was just there was like a string of commentaries that uh <clears throat> like three in a row that I noticed where a lot of uh, assertions were made about comic book movies and like the rules of them and they tend to do this and i think part of that is also the part of the studios and sort of how they are adapting some of this material but in the process of it, i mean friend, there's there's a ton of um comic, comic books would make great movies that have nothing to do with superheroes whatsoever so should we clarify by instead of saying comic book movies and we're talking about iron man talk about superhero movies exactly superheroes is a thing unto itself you, oh, yeah. know, you know that's that's i mean i know it seems like i'm 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 piddling or whatever but it's just a trend a trend no, I, I noticed no I, I, I would agree with that i mean you know you don't sit around 
and talk about oh this is a, a one of those book movies exactly you know, that was exactly what I said all yeah. kinds of different genres and stuff like yeah. that so no I see what you're saying yeah absolutely. Twilight and the, Ga- the Great Gatsby you know yeah. it's not like the, there's a lot of daylight well, between there, those yeah. two Boz Lerman's making a Great Gatsby that's probably going to be a lot like Twilight I, I'm, <laughs> so. I'm just, I'm, well in Hunger Games I read your blog post right. about, about Hunger Games you know that's going to be a very I mean yes it's young adult but it's very different from Twilight yeah. you know what I mean yeah. so it's I guess going forward and, and again part of it is just the inanity of the studios and how they approach it and, you know but if you uh, for comic readers out there for instance uh, The Unwritten uh, or uh, Day Tripper like those are comic books but if they ever get made in movies they will be unlike anything you're sort of used to when it comes to com- the comic book stuff so that's all right on yeah. alright Dorkman you got anything you want to talk about we did wrong well the, there, there's at least one major one, and if we move on after this, then okay. But there's one I want to get out, which is: Did we misattribute Chinatown to someone else? Is that what we did wrong? What was the major know. one we did? No, the major one we did was 2012. Ah, the major uh, one we screwed up was 2012. With the visual effects, right? With the visual effects, yeah. because there was there was a point with the Caldera sequence, the Yellowstone Caldera. We have a lot of effects blue. listeners, and we need to clear this yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, uh, and especially <laughs> effects listeners to whom this is relevant. Um, we specifically, when, when Yellowstone Park blew up, we we specifically went, hey, let's give a hand to ILM for the great visual effects work. Not only did ILM not do that sequence, they didn't contribute anything to 2012, as far as I can tell. The Yellowstone Caldera sequence and the Vatican destruction, which I believe we also called out at one point as being, oh, this is really good. That was done not by... Not better than mine. <laughs> that was done by Double Negative in London, and we have uh, quite a few listeners at Double Negative. Um... <laughs> So good job on 2012. Yeah. Yeah, nice. Good job. I mean, it's it's you know it's a kind of thing. Seriously where like, though, really good job on 2012. I, yeah, ILM has become like the Kleenex of visual effects. It's like, oh, if it's good, it must have been ILM. But that's no longer the case. And of all people, we should actually know better than that. So, uh, to anyone that was upset that we, we we at least called out a really good really good work on your part, but we misattributed it. So. I- Sorry, I, I will. I will just say, if you have the enhanced podcast, uh, that will, I I did put a correction in there with a. a I pulled up an ILM logo with a big cross. You cleaned, <laughs> cleaned it up on that one. <laughs> so it's like Matt, you did a really great job on RVD two. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. that's yeah. just some outstanding effects work, Matt. Well done. Hey, you're welcome. I have, I, have I love Chloe and Pink Five. Yeah. yeah they, oh yeah, she's awesome. I have two that keep me awake at night. Uh, one is a minor one. I, I think it must have been Armageddon because it was either Armageddon or. Yeah, I think almost only it was. Where I, uh, I, I just attributed Valhalla. I said that was Michael Bay's company. It's actually Galen Hurd. Oh. Uh, okay. Those aren't even kind of the same person. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But they, they work a lot together. But Valhalla is Galen Hurd's production company. It's not Michael Bay. I said that. But, of course, my biggest one is, of course, my Titanic blunder, uh, which was a Titanic blunder, where I said the captain was played by the late Edward Woodward when, in fact, it was played by the still very much alive Bernard Hill. <laughs> Um, and, uh, From so, Lord of the Rings, yeah. He recently died, didn't he? No! Did Bernard Hill die? Oh, what the hell? <laughs> no, I think Bernard he did, Hill. actually. No! Yeah. But they brought him back. It was no. Yeah. Hey, Matt, can you look that up? Yeah, Matt, look <laughs> it up. We Wait. don't want to correct this and then be wrong yeah. again. A year from now, Michael's going to go, well, I said Bernard Hill was dead. He's actually, <laughs> I was thinking of Edward Woodward. That's actually what it was. But Edward Woodward had just died like the week before we did Titanic, and it just got confused in my mind, but it's actually was, Bern- wrong. Someone was Bernard Hill. I'm who on played, it. Uh, what, okay. Did you have other ones, Mike? Yeah, real quick. Um... In uh, Terminator Salvation, at the very end, I threw out a reference to cargo cults. Yeah. And I said they were like African tribes or something. They were actually uh, Pacific Pacific Islander tribes. You're Um, the racist commissioner. You're supposed to get that shit right. Arab or Mexican I was saying, I was saying, I was saying just off the top of my head, I'm like, I know it's somewhere, but I didn't research it recently, so I forgot because I didn't know I was going to be bringing it up. But yes, it's Pacific Islander tribes, and you can. I think think African or something applies to Pacific Islander tribes. (laughs) 
Um, Not at all. Racist commissioner? Yeah, I know. I was making yeah. a... Okay. okay. Uh, uh, God damn it. Twilight. It we appears were... Bernard Hill is still very much alive. Okay, I was wrong. Yeah. I don't know yeah. I don't know who I was thinking of, but yay. Him. Yeah. I'm looking fabulous, by the way. Good, good, good. Um, we're, we're also... Mu- it brought up our day. We made, we made no sure. mistakes on Twilight, aside uh, from doing Twilight. Yeah, well, uh, Bella's Lullaby, we, we referred to oh, that yeah. song as having been written by Robert Pattinson, and that's... It, it, it's a it's a misunderstanding of what happened. What happened was they sh- when they shot it, he was basically improving a little tune, but uh, the studio didn't quite like it. They wanted to have more of a theme and uh. stuff like that. So when they brought in the composer later, they actually had him compose something, and they reshot that bit with Robert Pattinson playing the, uh. the proper Bella's Lullaby. So, uh. so like both sides are right. Like he did write a thing for that scene, but that's not what's in the movie. Um, and then the last one for me is on Legion. We started talking about. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We got uh, we got oh, yeah, some yeah. we got a, a guy on uh, on Zarban actually, Fardog, who's in our forums. Well, that's that's Raiders that he was on about. Well, yeah, but oh yeah, but okay. You were going to talk about God or something, right? Well, no, I, I was going to talk about rapture theology. I referred to it being related to the John Birch Society, and that's not entirely correct. The John Birch Society is a right-wing group that's obsessed with the idea of the, the one-world government and mm. the idea that the UN is going to become it. They're very closely tied to rapture theology because the guy who – one of the guys who created the Left Behind series is a John Bircher, and part of the series is about the UN taking over the world. Uh, the, the, the Antichrist takes over the UN and the UN takes over the world. It's really weird because, like, these people have been obsessed with the UN for, like, 30 years and they don't understand how it works at all. But, um, but so I, I was thinking of John Darby, who was the guy who put out the Schofield Reference Bible and came up with right. a lot of the, the uh, various stuff. So sorry about that. God, you're such an asshole. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, that's, uh, that's all I've got for corrections. Cool. Does anyone else have any other corrections? I got a minor one. Karate Kid, I, I did a magnificent... <laughs> well, you made every mistake on Karate Kid. What? Uh, no well, way. Not, not about Karate Kid, but... <laughs> okay, uh, I was like, I'm going to tell Rachel. Yeah. <laughs> I know, Rachel would just... It's over. Separation. I'm going to tell your boy, and he's never going to respect you. That's a good point, yeah. <laughs> no, it wasn't so much about anything to do with the movie. I just confused... I... Oh, man. I um, <laughs> I amalgamated my Jews. Uh, oh, I, like I, you do. I combined <laughs> Jerry and Fred Weintraub into sort of the singular entity in career. Fred Jerry. Uh, Jed, Jed Fred. <laughs> He came back. As, he came back as Fredger. Yeah, Fredger. Yeah. Fredger. Fred Weintraub uh, is the man who uh, produced uh, the Kung Fu TV series and Enter the Dragon uh, back in the day. Jerry Weintraub and so and Fred Weintraub worked with Bruce Lee and all this stuff. Jerry Weintraub was the producer of Karate Kid. Both of them had sort of similar backgrounds. Both of, I mean, you know, but that very different careers because Jerry Weintraub has produced damn everything. Uh, since then, whereas Fred Weintraub has been very sort of specific and a very set kind of movie, but I just I just went ahead and just started like mashing. It. I mean, who knows? Like it was a it was sort of a, a weird combination on my part. But that was that was about it. Right on. Anyone else? It just goes to show that uh, when you listen to down in front, we don't know what we're talking yeah. about. Not at all. That's that's the important thing. We're we're trying to get you to look up the information for yourself. Yeah. We are professionals, but not at that. Either. No, yeah. <laughs> Which also, we're, we're telling you to always question authority. Always yeah. always check sources that's and question yourself. Thing. Down in front, oh. citation needed. All right. I'll throw out there. It's, <laughs> yes. it's Chloe, uh, Jean-Pierre Genet. Jean-Pierre Genet. Yes. Yeah, we said Janu. We said Jean-Luc Picard. Genie. <laughs> Sorry, sir. We didn't make, make, need to make fun Genet. of that. But we didn't amalgamate our Jews. It's, it's not our fault. You're French. How are we supposed to know how to say your name? <laughs> anyway, before we get, get the into the... Right. Learn to English. <laughs> before we get to the questions, I want to read an email that we got, and I, I hope he doesn't mind. Uh, we got an email long. from a guy named Scott Henderson. Uh, he, uh, he he just sent uh, an email saying, big fan, all that stuff. And I said, he had a really funny little 
Oh, like series of abbreviations next to his name. I was like, I'm assuming he's a doctor. Oh, okay. I said, so what do you do? Oh, I, I said, does, uh, what, what does what does BSD stand for? Because that's part of his email, right? And this is the response. Biological Sciences Division. You'll be pleased to learn that I listened to your commentaries while studying B-cell mediated immune responses in lupus nephritis. <laughs> my, produ my productivity is directly related to my ability to listen to you guys. I don't want to put too much pressure on you, but in a way, your show is helping cure lupus. <laughs> yeah! Yeah! <laughs> Suck on that, Doug Loves Movies. <laughs> and and just to be clear, anytime you're sick, it's lupus. It's, always, no, it's, it's never lupus. No, it's yeah. never lupus. <laughs> so so in a way, like we're probably Seal's favorite podcast then. Yeah, which, yeah. So, which was a question we got. You know, it was one of our general questions: is what did you really set out to do with the show? And our, our common lupus. goal was to cure lupus. We did it, and right. we're on, and we're on so our way. We're on our way. We're so, making yeah. headway. Finally. Every donation made to Down in Front. One hundred percent cures lupus. Yeah, helps goes to somehow to curing lupus. Indirectly, somehow. It does. Yeah, it doesn't go to them. It goes to us, but we're helping. So it's it's really a, it's trickle down economics. It's a circular and with cycle. less overhead than most charities. So yeah. it's really it's a win win. Yeah, we are a not for profit, but we will. We'll, we'll, we'll take it. We are yeah. for lupus. We'll take it. We are for lupus. <laughs> we have no problem profiting off of lupus. No. Anyway, no. so we asked for a, 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 some questions, and we got just a, a fucking ton. Of them, so we're gonna we're gonna do that now, and it's gonna take the next hour and a half to a do that. A metric fucking time. A metric time. You know, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, a walk-in worth of questions. Uh, so here we go. Let's just go around the table with uh, with a few of these. And here's our first question. This is from Zarban. Uh, Eddie suggested doing some classic movies at one time, but Down and Fred has never ever done a movie older than each any panelist. Doctor Strange Love, which came out in '64, is the oldest one we've done at this point. Is this because Trey and Eddie are the only ones who understand how movies were made before electricity? <laughs> I, it cracks me up that Zarban thinks that Eddie and I are remotely the same age. Well, I'm closer <laughs> than Eddie. I, I, I think I'm older. Matt than is older than I, but not not by much. But yeah, it, yeah. it's in it, Trey and then Matt and then me <laughs> yeah. and then we make up the Elder Council. Hey, there's every, and, every uh, person around this table yeah. could be my biological. And you child. hang out on the top yeah. of a mountain and you occasionally rape the young girl that tells you the answers to life, the universe, and everything. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry, three hundred. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. Things yeah. getting a head start on the mashup for year three. Yeah. Apparently. Anyway, so why don't we do really old movies? I'll tell you, it's it's not like we don't bring them up every so often. I think it's probably because yeah. it's hard to get a consensus on having everyone having seen it. Um, although I do think we have one on our plan right now that actually does break that rule. Yeah. Uh, we won't promise until uh, we actually reveal that one. We have we, we, have, we have one in mind that is, that actually is would, over fifty years old. Would would break that rule? Would be older than me finally, um, and we'll see if we get to that one. But um, it's. It's a couple things. It's there are plenty of great ones to to be doing, but uh, oh. it's always it's it gets harder and harder for everyone to have seen those, and then the true classics become we we run into the Ebert problem, which is right. like, well, what are we going to say about yeah. Citizen Kane? What are we going to say about you know state? How are we going to say something smarter than everybody in the history of film who has already talked about yeah, Citizen what, Kane in Casablanca? What is there to say about the Wizard of Oz? I would love yeah. to do those movies, I, and, right? I th and I think I think we, we should. absolutely should at some point. But but. I think I, I think, think we're we, absolutely going to have to pretty soon. Yeah, I think I think we should do that, but with the expectation, you know, that if if you want to hear it for sure, you should probably come to the live recording because if we bomb out, we're just not going to release it. Right. <laughs> so, so well, if you really want to hear what we have to say, come to the live recording. We, we've we've been more. Be sure. When we started out, we were definitely focused on genre stuff, and we still are to a large degree. But it wasn't until Chinatown, which is still very recent, that we've even kind of broached the the field of serious, heavy-hitting classics. But I, I think we did, and I think that was kind of an experiment. Strange Love also, but uh, that was less... That was less planned. That was more spontaneous than Chinatown was like, okay, we're going to sit down and we're going to do Chinatown. Right. Uh, and I think we weren't quite sure like how well that was going to go off, but I think it went off pretty well, and that you know, that's going to... Uh, Engender more in the future. There is another. Uh, there is another issue that um, kind of ties into maybe another question that you have on the list. Uh, is is um, 
how how have we when, once we someone asked about uh, have we changed anything now that we now that we've discovered that many people don't actually watch the movie? Um, our mandate early on, and and sort of was our mindset for quite some time, still kind of is, is to pick movies that people probably have the DVD or can easily sure. easily get the DVD. Right. So it's like if we go, oh, hey, we're going to do Stagecoach. Well, who's got that on DVD? Right. But maybe it doesn't matter so much. I don't so. know. Brian had Howard the Duck on DVD long before there was a DVD <laughs> release. Yes, that's true. I had to get that at a convention. Yeah. Like that was a bootleg. Awesome. That's, that's where I bought the formula. One thing that I kind of I've been thinking a lot about this particular thing lately, especially when Zarban asked it in the in the forum. But one thing I I don't want to just arbitrarily say, oh, classic. Let's just pick a classic. You know, yeah. that's I mean, let's just do Lawrence Arabia. You know, I like Lawrence Arabia, and it's a great movie and everything. But I think there are some sort of quote classic movies that feel like they could be made now, and I think those that maybe if we can like. I don't want to say show the next generation like the blur you know none of that shit but I think there's way there's certain ones we can pick from the past that feel very contemporary and very relevant now and that sort of Citizen we, Kane we yeah. I think well I think you're right I think Citizen Kane I think Apocalypse Now I think Night of the Hunter I think like I think there's some really good classic movies that may be sort of forgotten but that if if somebody watched now they'd be like holy shit this feels very current and very now and real right. and uh, you know for instance Night of the Hunter that movie has been referenced and like very few people have actually heard of it but that movie's been referenced referenced and 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 other films like spike lead it and do the right thing radio raheem does the whole love and hate thing that um that uh what's his name does uh and so it's just there's there's a lot and there are things that are very influential but people don't really get why you know and i, I think we'd like to cover that apocalypse now i watched it again last time on blu-ray uh, the blu-ray looks amazing by the way and uh I, that movie feels just as urgent and relative relative even more so nowadays with everything that's going on than than it did since vietnam so I, I think there's i think we should be very selective about it but i think there's one that are absolutely, um, I don't want to say necessary, but I feel like have a place along with all the other movies that we do. Yeah, the, I mean, the trick is to, like you said, it's not just, oh, this movie's a classic, <laughs> so we should do it, because it's like, well, does anyone actually have an opinion on that? Yeah, can we, can we, it, we still go back to the criteria of can we <laughs> say interesting things about this for yeah. two hours? And I think when we started, I, I don't think we could have pulled that off, quite frankly. And, you know, staying in our wheelhouse of genre stuff, and now having spent two years learning you know, how to do this and getting better and practicing, that now now we're at the point that we can maybe tackle these, these classics. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I just want to say right now, looking at the chat room right now, since we just started this conversation, about 20 different people have brought up different movies. Like someone said they just saw The Apartment. They want that covered. Yeah. Zarban made a direct Night of the Hunter reference when I did it. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, there's and a Mad Bad Coyote street... wants us to do Pirates of Silicon Valley. Right. Landorpus wants us. <laughs> okay. to... That's a great movie. Landorpus yeah. no, wants no, us to do. No, I love it. It's just it's not from well, the 40s. Streetcar Named Desire. Um, yeah. Yeah, and, yeah, Shifty Bench says he loves Night of the Hunter. So, and, you know, Hitchcock. Zarban's calling for Hitchcock. I think yeah. there's. I, th- I think our audience is ready for it. I think our audience is like not ready, but I think our audience is ready for it. I think, I think we're demand. ready. Is, yeah. the, is the point that I think we, it, we should be pointed out that the dry run test. Maybe we could do a thing where we talk about movies. Our test was Forbidden Planet. Yeah. <laughs> it had never been released because we were just kind of figuring out how we're going to do. Oh, this. this is don't call them Shirley. Yeah, <laughs> but, our very, but our very first attempt to try and do a show that uh, became down in front was actually Forbidden Planet. All right, Shay made reference to this question, so I'm just going to move it up on the list. Uh, Shackman asked, uh, "Has learning that a decent number of people listen to the podcast independently from the movie changed your approach at all? Like less specific references to what's on screen, that sort of thing?" And for my part, I try to when, when someone's going off on something about the movie. At this point, I'll go, "He's referring to this." And sometimes slide that in. But aside from that, my approach isn't any different. 
but that's a big help. I mean, well, yeah, I would as, assume it is. But as a person, I was one of those people saying like, yeah, I listened because I primarily listened to Down in Front at work, you know, doing effects and stuff, and so I'm not looking at it; I'm just listening to it. And then that was very frustrating for some of the episodes in the first year where that happened a lot more often. Where it's like, oh, look at that, look at that, like, yeah. Oh my god, I can't believe that just happened. Let's talk about what just oh, happened, and then awesome. you don't know what just happened. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's been a lot, lot better in uh, for years. Yeah, too. yeah. You can't just uh, the the one thing oh. is learning that you can't just be like, okay, this right here, I have a problem because you have to go, okay, what just happened is yada, 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 and I have a problem with it because blah. But the other thing, too, about it is that also in just sort of the way that the podcast has shifted over two years is that it was very much we're watching a movie and we're talking about the movie. And then throughout the first year, it grew into kind of this analysis of the movie. And now it's a thing where it's like it's two hours. It's as long as the movie is, but it's a primarily a discussion about the movie. It might be about anything. That sometimes, you know, you reference things that are happening in this scene or this scene or this scene. But it's it's really a much more sort of freeform discussion. It, de- it depends on the movie, I feel like. Because That's there, true. there are yeah. some movies yeah. where it's like, okay – I have a specific problem with this moment and this moment here, and I want to make sure we talk about it. And for the other you know, 89 minutes, it's like, oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, what, but, but what some of them are about? just a general, uh, like, you know. I think, I think the, basically the technique that we've learned is a very basic interviewing <laughs> technique is when somebody is interviewing somebody you know, for camera yeah. for, like, a documentary, they incorporating say the question. They always try to incorporate the question into your answer. So if, you know, how did you get started in blah, 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 the person should say, I got started in blah, 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 blah. So it's just like making sure as a self-contained unit, it, it's clear, and I think we've gotten a lot better at doing that. Absolutely. I was interviewed for, uh, and so was Trey, and I think Ryan and Mike were too, uh, and maybe Eddie was. I was interviewed for a fan film documentary that our friend John Hudgens did, and uh, it occurred to me, I had, I had done editing for years prior to that, and I'd always wanted the opportunity to try this, and it worked, and it was <laughs> totally cool. So if you're ever being like recorded for an interview for something, you don't have to answer right away. Because if you answer right away, then you're sort of still kind of putting your sentences together, and you, like that. If you wait like ten seconds for the answer, okay, I'm gonna and do it. He's not going to include those ten seconds, and you have a better sounding answer, and you look better in the interview. Yep, that's that's you know just a fun factoid. That's, that's how I spend most of my day is cutting people's interviews down and making them sound less inane. And and seriously, I mean, the, the, there's a reason why people on reality shows actually sound more intelligent than they are. So <laughs> it's, the reason is Eddie. Yeah, all, Eddie. all wait, me. Wait a second. Uh, seriously? Really, they look like a yes, actually, yes. Wow. That's yeah. I'm yeah. I'm around reality TV 100 percent of the time now too. So yeah, it's it's. No, they're, they're... That's called real life, Teague. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's why there aren't any cameras around. Well, actually, well, actually, right now, yeah, we live in public, <laughs> folks. Yeah, yeah, right. Anyway, we've uh, we, now this is one that I think we can all weigh in on. Uh, how has reviewing film changed your experience as a viewer? Do you find it difficult when watching a film to switch out of review mode? I'll start. I just went over to Ryan's apartment the other day. <laughs> I was going to say that. And uh, Ryan, through legal means, got a beautiful 1080p rip of Tron a month before the DVD came out. Uh, and the first third of the movie, I couldn't, I couldn't shut up. Like, no, 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 here's the problem. No, it could be this. It could be that. And uh, I only did that with them because it was Chloe and Ryan and me. And we're all down in front people. So I knew I was in kindred spirit company. But no, generally, I'll, I'll just shut up. And often when people are talking about a movie around me, I don't even chime in. I'm just like, okay. Like when people are having like a conversation about religion over there, the same way it's just like, I'm just not going to get into this because I don't really care and I don't want to talk about it with them. And I ha- they, they have no respect for my authority. And it's the same way with other people. When I'm watching a movie, it's just like, what do you think of Gone Baby Gone? It's good. As opposed to, <laughs> all right, let me tell you about Gone Baby Gone. Anyway, Brian? Uh, yeah, it actually reminds me of the very first film class I took, I think as a sophomore in high school, where my teacher was like, all right, you're going to learn about film, but I warn you, if you take this class, you will never be able to watch a movie the same way again. 
And it, it, that that was absolutely true. And all the other you know subsequent film classes and film school that I've taken, and now up to down in front, it's only it's only gotten worse. And you know, I it it, it is very hard for me to turn off a film and be able to just or for me to turn off my brain in a film and just enjoy it without watching it going oh no that's a missed moment or that's not quite clear and it could be clearer this way i think it's particularly hard for us because we kind of occupy this occupy this weird nebulous area of we're film critics in kind of what we're doing here but we're also professional filmmakers you know and so our our brains are also going well if if i were working on this project if i were the director if i were the editor how would i how would i do this how would i tell this story in this particular way and uh for for me, it's very very hard and uh, very hard to turn it off. Dorkman, you were ruined before Down in Front in terms of watching movies. Oh, way before, yeah. I mean, I mean, if that's the thing, I mean, if you're interested in getting involved in anything, really, I mean, we've we've talked about doing magic and stuff. It's the same thing. It's like if you really want to learn it, you got to spoil it for yourself, right? You know, so that you can do it for other people. It's like what you know? what was it? Laws and sausages, two things that if you if you enjoy them, don't ever see them get made. Yeah, exactly. So. Um, <laughs> Over over the years, it's actually become a little easier for me to turn it off sometimes because it's actually uh, and and down in front has helped a little bit in the sense that and our, that, that and lupus our few yes our few attempts to uh, uh, do movies where someone hasn't seen it and when I've been that person like on Alien Resurrection it's like it's 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 actually helped me go okay I need to when I'm watching a movie the first time I need to just sit back and be like okay movie what do you got. You know, and let it let it put all its pieces together, and then afterwards, I'll I'll have the you know the fully formed opinion. But as it's happening, I'm like, all right, I'm gonna allow this and see where you're going with it. You know, uh, generally speaking. But um, but it also depends on the context. I mean, like you said, if if we're sitting around watching a movie, or I'm sitting around with my roommates who do the same thing, like we'll talk through it and be like, what the fuck? What? How does that make any sense? What he just said? And, you know, um, fortunately, I'm surrounded by a lot of people who don't mind that. Uh, but um, you're around people that put that on the internet for you. Yeah, exactly. So, um, uh, yeah, it it happened a long time before down in front. But uh, you know, that's just that's just the nature of wanting to be involved with this. You know, th- the thing about down in front is it's been very useful for me in terms of being able to articulate what works and what doesn't, and that's very important in doing your own work to be able to look at it and say, all right, if Michael Bay showed me this. What would I say to him, you know, about your own work? How, how would I be able to offer specific constructive criticism? Yeah, exactly. So what I what I what I what I <laughs> nope, find what I find that, like particularly uh, frustrating is in having conversations with other movie people, other friends around here, but who aren't quite as who don't do this specifically. It is like talking about you know Avatar. I'll have a conversation. I'll like, you know Avatar. I didn't really like it for this or for that reason. And we've already spent a three-hour conversation, and I know exactly what is wrong or right with Avatar or whatever it is. And I go, oh, no, it, it's this, this, and this. And it's it's the problem of you're trying to have this conversation. These people are trying to have this conversation for the first time, but I've already had three hours of the right. conversation, and I've already you know gotten there, and I know exactly what it is. It's like, no, 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 it's this. No, it's that. It's uh, Yeah, no, I know. I know. Already, I've, I've been through this already. Trust me. It's this or whatever it is. Trey? Uh, for me, uh, it's, you know, I've, 
films have been ruined for me since film school, which is, you know, again, <laughs> none of you were born when I was already ruined before you were born. But uh, oh, before you were born. Oh, before you were born. That's not a movie I've enjoyed since before you. Whatever the hell. Something. There's a joke in there somewhere. <laughs> something about Star Wars. There's a joke in there somewhere, but I, I, I swear. I, I am your father. Yeah, moving on. Yeah, you'll, you'll figure it out. Get, make a T-shirt out of it. It's and like a build your own adventure joke. Send us a picture. Anyhow, uh, the the and I said this in a recent commentary. I don't think it's been released yet, but uh, you know, it's it's what makes a movie really rare and special for me is the one that doesn't trigger my desire to. To analyze, yeah. Yeah. you know, if they, if, if I, I try and go into every any movie like with just an open mind, like okay, mo- you know, it's like okay, show me what you got, movie, bring it, and then five minutes in, they what? No, oh, and that clicks in the well, okay, why, why didn't that moment just there work for me? If a movie can get all the way to the end credits without triggering my 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 autoimmune response to figure <laughs> out what's wrong with it, uh, it's a rare movie indeed. Is there and, a movie uh, you've seen recently that that applied to? Um, well, I, as I believe I, I listed the uh, the Incredibles as one, uh, which we we have recorded, but I don't think at this point it's been released. You made it to um, the credits, and you're like, nothing was wrong with nothing that. was wrong with that movie. I en- I just enjoyed it. Uh, I said, Oh, brother, where art thou? Was a strange yeah. sort of left field. Like I just enjoyed that movie. You know, it didn't yeah. insult my intelligence, and I I was very pleased that I got to say to Ethan Cohen. Um, at the Oscars, uh, I was able to say, by the way, can I just say that uh, you know your movie is the first in years that I just enjoyed, and he, he thought that was great. He was really happy to hear that. Ryan Weber, did we did we did we hurt you? Did we destroy you? Hurt me? Did we make you a um, worse person to watch movies with? No. And if not, how can we? <laughs> Quite the opposite, actually. I've always sort of like that's sort of been my default mode is just watching a movie and just sort of it washes over me, and then at the end I go, okay. Right, and um, I think sort of being being here for some of this and just listening to a lot of it is is sort of clued me into being more constantly sort of critical. Isn't necessarily the right word, but it kind of is. It's like it's it's thinking about it as it's aware. going, and yeah, be, being aware, and then going after and thinking. Well, if I didn't catch why this happened, maybe it's not just maybe it's not me, you know. And then trying to and then going down and going, okay, now I have to do homework to figure out if that's true or not, and and just thinking more about movies, you know. So Matt Veda Veda, uh, yeah, I'm, well, I'm very much in the same league as uh, as Teague actually in terms of what the show is is done for. I I don't come from this. Uh, I, I I've gotten into film kind of late in my life, and so I'm learning. Down in front has helped me learn a lot about uh, and, and become more of a critical thinker about movies. But uh, yeah, no, I, I I do find it. Um, I, I I sort of have to. I will sit there and talk talk about what's what's going on in a movie with people who don't care, and I have to you know, just sort of remember that. Oh yeah, just switch that off, Matt. But you're but you're in film school right now, in a sense, right? So you should be talking with your your classmates. He's at full sale. It's not a real film school. Ooh. Oh, oh man. Oh, we're, we're, man. we're gonna gang up on him later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> you learned, but you I mean, learned you, dance fighting at full sale. What's going on? But no, there. A lot, I'm sure if you were to have these try, or try to have these kind of conversations with a lot of students at full sale, they'd be like, "Shut, shut up, man!" And those are not the greatest. I'm trying to enjoy the movie. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm taking all my classes online, so basically our discussions amount to single week forum posts where it's like, "Answer this question," and okay, whatever. you should just link to down in front all the time. Yeah. That would be amazing. But uh, <laughs> Eddie. Yes. You were like this before. Yeah. Yeah. In some ways. I mean, your dad made you watch movies every like second, right? <laughs> he didn't make me watch. It wasn't like no. That. He forced. It was like Clockwork Orange. It was, yeah. It wasn't like that room in Lost where they had that dude's eyes open. Um, no. Uh, you know the, the and this is a this is something that's an important distinction. It's it's um, it wasn't ever since that the big thing my father always tried to impart on me was to 
never forget that you love it. Like, never forget that this is a thing that you love. And even when you hate something and tear it apart, like, you know, never forget the, the enjoyment that you can get from a movie. Um, the two big influences on in my life are fighting and film. And last night there was a bunch of fights. And I was watching with a bunch of friends of mine from my jiu-jitsu school. And, and I kind of realized something then. And Because and, my in-laws have been asking me lately, like, how can you still watch a movie and enjoy it? Because you point all these things out and you see all these things. Um, it, it's not – one doesn't ruin the other. And in fighting and in movies, like, I can watch a fight – and see all the little tiny subtleties and details and see this guy moved here, therefore this guy had to throw this. He slipped that, so therefore he was able to execute this. And a film is much the same way. You know, it's like this scene led to this one, but this didn't really make sense logically for the story. And was this shot really expressive of the feeling? Um, that doesn't mean I'm not able to step back and just go, wow. I, I feel very similar to Trey because – when movie starts to do stuff right, I start to lose myself, and I start. I start. Mm-hmm. I only really start noticing things um, if it's either really, really good or really, really bad. Like that's when you kind of notice uh, movies that are in the middle that just kind of make you feel meh. You forget about and you don't really feel like are worth your time. But the movies that screw up significantly or succeed significantly in either direction, that's what you sort of latch onto. But when a movie does everything well. And it's consistent all the way through. And I agree about Oh Brother, Where Art Thou. That's in my top ten films of all time. I think actually, that's I I love the hell out of that movie. And uh, that movie just it just makes me happy. And I can go back and I can look. I can talk about the music. I can talk about the pacing. I can talk about everything else. But in that movie, I'm only watching that movie. And um and when it succeeds, I think that's kind of how it should be. So. Chloe? Oh wait. Oh wait. I, I just thing. I just wanted Stars to, boy? to jump on that because I because I agree we're we're talking about, you know, ruining the experience of movies and stuff like that. And it does sometimes make it more difficult to just watch a movie on its own terms and stuff like that. Um uh especially Aww. if there's a lot of, you know, errors. It it you you become more accustomed to catching things that would normally be fridge logic, you know. So yeah. so a lot of people wouldn't catch it, but but because you're used to catching stuff like that, you're like, "Wait a second, and it kind of blows it for you but at the same time i agree it also when a movie does things really well when a movie is not doing that i think being in this in this mindset makes that makes it so you can enjoy that even more mm-hmm. because you appreciate how fucking difficult it is to <laughs> to get that and put all that together and it's like it's not just watching a movie that you really like it's like it's like watching a performance or something you're like god damn that yeah. well done sir right. you know and so um yeah i, I think it's it's a higher bar, but if you can get over that, there's also a higher enjoyment than with people who can watch a movie and just kind of enjoy a really great movie and a really meh movie, kind of just all on the same level. Right? So ultimately, it's a trade off. You're going to like less. You're going to like fewer movies, but when you do, you're going to like something. Oh, you're going to like them a lot right. harder, a lot, a lot <laughs> yeah. harder than you would yeah. have otherwise. R- really quickly, just kind of off that when you said because you, you can appreciate how fucking hard it is. To accept, you know, the, with fighting, I've I've fought, you know, I've mm-hmm. I've fought in a ring, and I've I've won, and I've lost. And the months leading up to the training, to the nerves of walking out, to getting into the ring, and in my case, picking yourself off of the mat after regaining consciousness, um, it, it's a it's a it's a lot to go through. And making a film, you go through a different, but in a lot of ways similar set of circumstances and yeah. the challenges that you face. Therefore, when I'm watching a fight, I will never ever say, this fighter sucks. Right. He, you know, the only time I'll ever do that is if they do something disrespectful or cowardly. You know, because that disrespects the craft of what everybody else is doing. Uh-huh. Filmmaking, like we we joke about this guy sucks, this guy, you know, blah, blah, blah. But like for the people who are actually making the film, like 
it's you know if I make fun of Michael Bay, it's because he should know better. You know what right. I mean? If I if I make fun of somebody, it's like he's capable of better, and he's not doing that thing that he's actually capable of doing. Michael Bay has made good movies before. You know, their their movie maker Kevin Smith has made good movies before. Yeah. You know, so when we criticize, it's not that we look down on or anything. We it's just that we get it, we understand, and we expect more. And that's why we don't like Shyamalan. Exactly. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> so disappointed. Yeah. That's, that's that's talking about like you said it's like he's doing something disrespectful at that point <laughs> he's being cowardly because yeah. he's cynical about his audience yeah. that's what he's become that's like the main criticism I have for him Bay is just about he's become self-deluded and, mm. and just like a fighter gets self-deluded and gets his ass knocked I, out I would say the opposite actually oh, I would really? say that Bay has okay. become cynical and Shyamalan has become self-deluded I mean let's right Bay, Bay just you know admitted that Transformers 2 is, is awful you know, right. right. Yeah, he, he said, yeah, the last one, yeah, actually wasn't so good. But this next one is great. Right, which right. Is, yeah. Which is what he said last time, too. And it's so funny you said that because in the fights last night, there was one fighter who's lost, like, his last three who used to be a legend. Now he kind of sucks. <laughs> and he's he's been saying, like, oh, I'm in shape for this one. And, oh, this is going to be different. I'm hungry again. And he gets knocked out again. So it's like, you know, you you kind of you have to take it with a grain of salt. Chloe? Um, as Has this had any effect on your ability to watch movies? The thing about that is my background is theater. I grew up doing theater so my capacity for suspension of disbelief is a little bit bigger just because i'm used to analyzing storytelling and being quiet like it's it's hard to explain but i've been doing i did theater from seven until i was a stage manager through college and i did a lot of directing and so you're i'm used to sitting there and watching a story unfold in front of me and like slowly kind of being able to put a wall up between this is what the story they're telling me and this is how I can suspend my disbelief about it and also being kind of critical about the acting and where they're going and what their goals are. Um, I've always done it. Like, I've never not analyzed movies, I guess, from the time I was old enough to figure out that you couldn't take the screen off the TV and take the people out. <laughs> Wait, what? You can't do that? No! Okay. You you literally I I cannot just like a Panasonic ad or something that did that. <laughs> yeah. iPad three is going to happen. Yeah. So, right? so so I guess this last segment that we have here, we should just we should just stop <laughs> yeah. and not do that then. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I see what you were doing. Yeah. It's actually I I you know I see I do come from my my original yeah. thing was theater as well. Yeah, yeah. I think what's what the one thing I would say is I'm probably more forgiving of technical imperfection in a movie than I think a lot of the folks around this table are. Yeah. Being, you know, coming from the freeze frame generation, look, you can see the guy's foot, you know? And it's like, well, screw you. We didn't yeah. used to care if you could see the guy's foot. Exactly. So I'm, I'm, more, I'm more, you know, forgiving about an effect that isn't perfect because, you know, screw it. An effect's not perfect. They're not going to be perfect. Yeah. You know, the movie has to get released. So, you know, if a movie has, like, less than awesome perfect effects, some guy was, some guy was telling me, trying to tell me, like, you know, Lord of the Rings isn't good because, well, you know, there's that shot of the orcs. What? Yeah. There's a bad shot in Lord of the Rings, so <laughs> oh, it sucks. No. no, I don't. I don't. Uh, I'm forgiving. I'm more forgiving than that. Yeah, I. I don't know. It's dead air. Um, okay. <laughs> she, it's she, she she passed out. She just passed I out. Right. Did there. Um, someone reached in through the internet and grabbed her by the neck? Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I, it doesn't compromise my ability to enjoy movies. I can kind of compartmentalize and appreciate different things on different levels. That's good. I wish I had more of a ability to compartmentalize things in my brain because they just all come together and I can't... I can't oh, no, it's a, giant, a, it's a giant box grid in there. Just, yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. Oh, it's I, crazy. I have a tough time fooling myself or or convincing myself. You know, acting is really all about, like, convince yourself that you're you're actually you know, acting under these circumstances. Convince yourself for the time being that your mother has just died and then... Oh, I can't convince myself of anything, but, yeah. like, I can... 
but uh, separate <laughs> clearly yes <laughs> anyway so we ground that one pretty fine into yeah. the dust yeah. so moving on all right uh, have your views on a film ever shifted dramatically long after recording a commentary or on a related note uh, are there any commentaries that you wish you could do over well we did that with Dawn of the Dead actually we did Dawn of the Dead once, and then Darkman wanted to add four more factoids, so we redid it. Yeah, I, I, I was, I was against that myself, but I went along with the, with the, with flow on that one. There was a lot. <laughs> <laughs> have your, have your views? Uh, actually, no. But, uh, and that's only on a technicality. Had we released the AI we did in the first place, the answer would be yes. I liked AI a lot more the second time we did it down in front for it. Hmm. And I, I hadn't even seen it between those two times. I don't know exactly what happened there, but I enjoyed AI a lot more the time you heard than the time we did a year prior to that, maybe a year and a half prior to that. Anyone else? Just like shif- shifted views after doing a commentary or want to do one over? Uh, the only thing that it kind of even qualifies is I've, I've always – I <coughs> the only thing – going back to the, the critical thing, the only thing that really gets past us at this point is stuff that already – that we loved before we were critical of that movie. So Ghostbusters, I love – Ghostbusters 2, I also love. I don't care. We did the down in front, and you opened my eyes. Okay, it's a bad movie, sure. But then I watched it again. I was home, and it was on TV, and I was watching it. And I was like, I don't care. It's like a warm, fuzzy blanket. It's just a warm, fuzzy blanket. And, you know, okay, it's a bad movie, but I was... I don't care. I love it anyway. So that was the only, like, where I... I went from one opinion. I had the revelation doing the commentary, and then I just kind of forsook that revelation after the fact. Dorkman, you got anything? Uh, Well... There, there's also um, this. This has helped kind of crystallize the idea that there's a difference between there can be a difference and and an accepted difference between a movie that's good and a movie you like. Like yeah. mm-hmm. it, it, you can admit you're like this is a terrible movie and there are no redeeming factors, but it's in in terms of like technical level or whatever. But it's fun and I enjoy it. You know, I mean we've we've talked about that with franchises. It's like you know with Star Wars. It's like well, Empire is. Clearly, objectively the best, but subjectively, my favorite is, you know, and, and stuff like that. So um, I think there's definitely that. As far as changing views after a commentary. Um, you like 2012 now. Yeah. <laughs> big fan, big fan. Um, yeah. I'm not, I, I, I can't think of any in particular. I would like to redo Dark City. Yeah, I would too, actually. They're talking, it's about, so, it they're talking about it right now, actually. I would, I, I would like to revisit Dark City. I don't know if we're going to bring up that one. Yeah. But. Um, uh, and Wait. and see if Teague's. Uh, Teague, do you still dances. not like Dark City? I haven't seen it since the Down in Front. <coughs> and you didn't even really see it then. Yeah, you so. didn't see it the first time. You're like, I hate this movie. It sucks. You fell asleep. Yeah. You didn't, you didn't watch the movie. Yeah. 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 So we'll, we'll not a proud moment. I'm and not actually, saying I'm not proud of it. No, we talked about this, and for like the first year I knew you, you were like, Yeah, no, that that movie's lame. You didn't mention that you hadn't seen the whole thing. You're just yeah. like, no, it's a universe, and they don't tell you the rules. I'm like, no, they pretty much do. Well, there are also movies that I guess you're allowed to objectively hate for no reason, yeah. too. I mean, it's like if we're going to allow – I love it. It's a terrible movie, but I love it. It's like, well, yeah. you can also hate a movie without having seen it. I was, I was prejudiced. If you remember, it's an early commentary, but I was prejudiced against Hook, which then I realized I never actually had seen. <laughs> so, so my opinion of Hook, there's one that I could say. My opinion of Hook went up because now that I've seen it, it's like, well, there are interesting things in there. It's still a goofball movie, but I wasn't six like you guys were when it came out. So, of course, my experience of it's going to be different. I um, was 12, thank you very much. Yeah, okay, there you go. Yeah, because yeah, you're my oldest son. But <laughs> the... Uh I, actually, I was your first mistake. Yeah, exactly. The one example I was I was very young at the time. I, the only one I can think of is actually strange enough. I liked AI better when we redid it because I think as we discovered in the commentary that AI actually does kind of work. It just has this like twenty minute extra thing going on at the end that it just doesn't need. If they just cut ten minutes, fifteen yeah, yeah. minutes out of the ending. 
I think that actually would have been a better film. AI is like, but then there's no other. There's no other movie that has radically, you know, I've I become a fan of or decided I hated as a result of having done a commentary. I actually with AI went both ways. I really liked it, and then we did it the first time, and I was like, aw. And then I went into it being like, all right, well, we'll do it again, and then I'm like, hey, this isn't so bad. So I kind of went down and then back up again. You're so. roller Yeah, exactly. It, well, there, there's Tron. I mean, Tron is the, the classic. The first time we tried to do Tron, oh, yeah. Trey was the only one like, listen, guys, no, you don't know. And the rest of us were like, ah, it's Tron. Ah. And, of course, we know how that turned out. Brian? But they don't. Nah? <laughs> Anything to contribute? No, we don't all have to answer every yeah. single question. I don't know. Very briefly, just you know, um, I I know I'm gonna have to have a day where I sit down and watch Spider-Man one and two again because mm. I like those movies. And but maybe, but you, I was listening to you guys. I was listening to it while not watching it, and I'm like, their logic is is kind of checking out. <laughs> but, I, I, same for me, man. But same like, I'm like, but I, I've seen these movies multiple times. I own both of these movies. I I, I don't. I'm not finding you on three. I totally agree with three. I'll probably <laughs> I probably hate three more than you guys do. But I really liked three. I didn't see it. I'm but kidding. no, no, no. But uh, but because of that, I'm just like, but that's not lining up with what I what. Um, Zarban Zar- I mean, is giving you a high five right I, now. Right? I no, I know. I was completely broadsided by my own opinion of Spider-Man. And maybe wow. that's like because like I showed those to Rachel like because uh, my wife Rachel has not seen a lot of the same movies I have. She's she's an adept student. She's picking things up really really well. But when we before Spider-Man three came out, I'm like, well, you need to watch Spider-Man one and two, and we did. And she's like, I really like those. I didn't think I would. I'm like, yeah, they're great. Blah. And then of course the commentaries <laughs> come out. And, uh, and was, well, and I'm going to join in because I just it was it was simply a matter of availability. I'm like, well, you know. Sure, I like the Spider-Man movies, but if you got someone else to sit in, and who was the fourth on the Spider-Man movies? It was Anthony. Uh, Anthony. Yeah. Um, Anthony. You know, and then I found out. I found out long after the fact that wait a minute, those guys didn't like the Spider-Man movies. What kind of lunatics are they? I know. I'm like, so I, 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 I'm like, I hate comic. I hate comic book movies, and I enjoy the hell out of Spider-Man one and two. And it was like, and I'm critical. I'm inclined to hate them just because they exist. And I'm like, this is perfectly fun and exciting. So I haven't even. I I begun to. I've listen to and this is another question we sort of got i listen to kind of the tracks and i'm like i don't know what anyone is talking about it's right like, what movie are they watching they can't be watching spider-man because they're not talking about spider-man i felt like if it was a movie i'd never seen and i heard you get because you guys do a good job of describing the scenes as they go and then saying what works and what doesn't work i'm like okay that yes okay five plus seven does equal 12 i get that but but wait like i don't know i'm gonna have to yeah. really sit down and kind of have a a heart heart with myself yeah in the those spider-man movies. one and two controversy I, I was not part of i was not involved in i still haven't even listened to the, all of those commentaries but i totally don't get it because if there was any movie I would go, boy, that movie stunk and I hated it. It would have been Spider-Man, and I enjoyed the hell out of the original Spider-Man. And I understand if you don't like it, but interrupt, but I've never seen Brian so angry over a movie in my <laughs> well, life. It's, it yeah, was no, fascinating to watch. It was like watching It was like watching that footage of like those monkeys beat each other to death. It was just like, really, that happens? Like, what have just, we done? It, it's, the same, it's the same as Chloe's hate of Pan's Labyrinth. As, and, and Mike's, t- it's like, it's a bad movie, and I'm okay, and I'm okay with bad movies existing going on the rest of my life. It's just the fact that everybody else in the world seems to think it's great, and to me, it's objectively bad. Yeah, but and it, it, I just flabbergasted my brain. But, but it, at the same time, it did get to the point where we're like, yeah, that was kind of a weird cut right there, and you're like, and that goes to the, <laughs> that's the major problem with this movie. And yeah. it's like I was tying thing. things together. Yeah. I, w- I was bringing it all together. And and Spider Man is Spider Man Two is not a quantum I guess, fractal. I guess I guess that would that that would actually go back to. Uh, an example of a movie that I really liked until we started doing this and then I'm like okay these are still exciting but you look at story logic and character and stuff in a, in a more serious way now that we're used to analyzing that and I'm like oh that part doesn't hold up very well Thank you. you know 
yeah. I said that with you. I know. It has led to a turn of phrase that hasn't quite caught on, but going full finifter. Which Eddie going finifterian rage. Yeah, full finifterian rage is kind of might replace the full Tucci as a catchphrase. I measure it on like okay, so Spider Man Two is one point oh finifter. What is Star Trek? I said I said I said Star Trek Star Trek no he I think he's Star Trek goes to eleven. No 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 no. I actually think he I'm gonna say this. I think he's more incensed by Spider Man Two than he is by the new Star Trek. Wow. I actually feel that, was, that way. That was my impression. I, I feel like I, I would agree with I, that. Because I, th- I think Star Trek is 0.95 Finifter. <laughs> I, I think my hate for AI is probably about 0.7 Finifter because I hate AI with a passion, but not as much I, like I'm, as, as, you as hate far as Spider-Man. reputations go i will take this one yeah, i'm like, happy with and that's good i think that's everything. a good metric of 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 just of just logical with a solid foundation hate and rage <laughs> yeah, and just blood really curly. justified well founded we should point hatred. out that on this scale a 10.0 finifter is should be theoretically Theoretical. impossible Theoretical. so hopefully we right. will not live to see it's, one it's, of those. yeah if we do, like well, okay, the ground will crack in, in that in that in that scenario though then the question becomes what is mike's where is mike on the scale for 2012 can i can i just well, well, I said full finifter, so I guess that would be one. But yeah, because well, I would say you know it's it's you know it, it's a logical basis that spins off into complete irrationality after a certain right. point. Right. <laughs> anyway, that question I forgot to attribute. That was Doctor Submarine. All right, let's move on. No, I'm good. No, oh, she's good. All right. Uh, what movie do you uh, look forward to doing a diff for the most? Shadow Duelist. We look forward to doing a movie. Yeah. Um, I'm. There's a lot of them that I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to, uh, in terms of comic book movies, I'm looking forward to V for Vendetta and Kick-Ass. Yeah. Um, I would add Scott Pilgrim to that, actually. Too. Oh, and for, Scott Pilgrim, right, yeah. right. Scott Pilgrim. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have about the same reaction as Trey in some ways. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll touch on that. Yeah, Trey. I'm not saying it's a good movie. Yeah, no, saying, it's like, going yeah. to be good to talk about. Um, in terms of that, and this, this almost goes to um, another question that we're probably not going to get to, but whether it's, whether it's more fun to do good or bad movies, and I think they're both equally fun in their own way. Um, and in that sense, I'm definitely looking forward to the day we get around to the last Airbender. Oh, yeah. Oh. I'm actually watching that's the get, show. That's your right 1.0 now. Finifer. Oh man, that's your oh, 1.0 no. Finifer. I'm gonna. That's probably a 2.0. If uh-huh. we're if we're it's a scale from one to ten, it's it's gonna get up there. But uh, uh, yeah, there's there's um, a lot. I I've suddenly drawn a blank on on a number of them though, but. Uh, well, I'm, yeah. I'm personally, I know we did Star Trek Six was like our third commentary or something. Obviously, we've done the new <laughs> one, but um, but I'm, I'm assuming I'm assuming that at some point we will sit down and do the entire franchise. And in that in that scenario, we'll probably do six again. I don't know what the plan is on that, but I'm certainly looking forward to talking about Star Trek for ten hours. Yeah. I don't know about anybody else. I'm, I'm I am looking forward to. Uh, I mean, we we're trying to wrap up the franchises we've got going so we can start on other ones. I am looking forward to. I'm looking forward to Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I'm looking forward to getting started on Harry Potter, uh, and uh, I'm uh, the Pirates movies as well. Yeah, I, I actually am look- at least the, the first one. Is still going to be done like challenge style. That's like- how I'm. I want to do it. I, I'm, I'm all in on that one. <laughs> While I, we're, I I'll, we get, I'll get a sitter. I don't yeah, care. yeah. <laughs> I'll fly back out. Yeah, no, we're gonna have everyone in, and it's gonna be great. And well, I, think, I think it should be tag team style. Like if someone needs oh, to take yeah. a nap oh, for be. an hour, yeah. then fine. Yeah. yeah. While we're on the subject of franchises, Trey, can you explain to the world your your thing about when we're gonna do Back to the Future? The the Trey Stokes rule of when we'll do Back to the Future. 
I, I it was something like uh, every time it's brought up, yeah, oh, that's you push it. it back a month. Yeah, every time someone asks if we're going to do Back to the Future, we push it back a month. I mean, I we got really close a couple times, but then someone asked. Yeah, but then someone asked. We were about to. Oh my god, we're going to have to do it. But every time we reset the clock, um, you know, it, it jumps. It jumps a month further ahead. It's like the, it's the flux capacitor. That's how it works. I'm sure we'll get to it eventually. It guys. just falls there's, under. There's the, movies we can do that we have more to say about. It just first. falls under the category. It's it's the Citizen Kane of modern you know effects movies. It's like you know, good lord. I mean, if you can't find all the commentary you could ever want about Back to the Future online you're really not trying and and it's a matter of we all love back to the future i'm guessing although i was shocked by spider-man but uh, i'm thinking we all love back to the future and what's not to love and so first of all love faster hard and second of all what the hell are we gonna say about back to the future that hasn't uh, been said that hasn't been said by yeah. everyone else a million times that we weren't just rehashing so it's we have no we have no in the chat room against back to the future mad bad code is like damn it teague asked yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. And so then that's that's another six months Whoops. right there. Yeah. So uh, as far as franchises looking forward to, uh, yeah, I guess I don't have any. Lord of the Rings is probably one. I think Kick Ass is. I wanted to be do, be a Kick Ass. I want to do that one. Scott Pilgrim. I finally saw. Uh, finally saw Scott Pilgrim. So the actual okay. movie. Right. So if anyone if anyone uh, reads in the forums, I won't go into the whole story. But I saw the the. Uh, Scott Pilgrim effects reel at the Bake Off, and I was like, "My God, that's the most horrifyingly awful movie I think everyone's ever made." Um, which literally was like the worst possible way to see that movie because it's a much better movie than the effects reel suggested. Yes. Um, so I like the movie much more. Um, but uh, Scott Pilgrim, I could take or leave. Kick Ass is a movie I look forward to talking about because that's a, that's both of those are movies I know nothing about whether they were ever funny papers before or not. <laughs> I just saw them cold. You know, it's like okay, here's a movie called Kick Ass. It's about a thing, and I'll watch it. And I was like, that's the most awesome movie I've ever seen. And then here's a movie about Scott Pilgrim, and it's about a thing, and it's uh, that was cute, but not for me. Right. Um, you know, well made and fun and interesting, but n- a near miss for me. Um, so, but uh, Kick Ass, I really kind of like surprisingly enjoyed. Do you, you guys, know, regardless of what funny paper? Anyone else have movies they want to do? They're looking forward to doing. Uh, I suggested, like I said, Apocalypse. Now I'm really looking forward to doing. I agree with all the franchises of uh, Lord of the. Rings. I look forward to Lord of the Rings immensely. But uh, and and Night of the Hunter. I I really I've been I was watching that the other day and like I just I it, it baffles me that movie was made as yeah. it was and it baffles me that that was Charles Lawton's only movie as a director because you see that yeah. and you're like yeah. that movie has is you see. I mean, that movie influenced so many other things in ways you never really imagined. Uh, Bat for Lashes, her entire second album was a concept album based on an adult version of one of the characters. Yeah. It's just, and it's just weird. It and really, like, it really has, it, resonates more than people realize. Yeah, and, and it's, and it's uh, the um, uh, what's his name? Um, Star of Night of the Hunter, uh, Robert uh, Mitchum. Robert Mitchum, uh, probably one of the greatest screen villains of all time. Yeah. His character in that movie, De Niro, and, didn't quite match him in the no. like Cape Fear because he also because he was also the guy in Cape Fear. Yeah, Robert Mitchum played. A, he was a the heavy guy in the fifties. He was your heavy dude, and he yeah. actually I, th- I thought uh, Mitchum in the original Cape Fear was better than De Niro in the in the remake. I of Cape totally Fear. agree. And, um, but there's but there's like a, I'm, I'm looking a little bit more to the past now because we have no shortage of movies coming up. Like there's a bunch yeah. of great. I mean, I agree with them. I mean, Kick Ass, uh, Airbender. Airbender, all that. I totally want to do. But I think I bet we're going to have very strong opinions about Sucker Punch one way or another. One way exactly <laughs> when one that does come out. But I really have been kind of looking towards, uh, like I said, past movies that are that feel vibrant and fresh now. I'll tell you that one one that I've been trying to campaign for, and I gave you the DVD, and I don't know if you've ever watched it, uh, but I, I keep trying to get Unforgiven on the slate. Um, Unforgiven. That's right. Yeah, you should really, really totally watch it. And yeah, I'm yeah. very gratified because I've been saying Strange Days, you crazy bastards. Yeah, yeah. Strange Days. I've been getting a lot of strange shit this Strange Days. Week. Why don't you people? <laughs> I just saw Strange <laughs> Days. How have you not seen Strange Days? I just saw Strange Days for the first time this week. Uh, I didn't know. I didn't. It didn't. When people recognize, like people are always recommending that you see movies. Strange so you don't. You great. don't have the names in your head. You just. <laughs> 
That's just how it is. So I'm like, Strange Days. That sounds cool. Catherine Bigelow. All right. I'll watch this. I'll watch this. Blew me away. I enjoyed Strange Days about twice as much as I enjoyed Blade Runner. I, I how's, the, it, how's that for I, a fucking offensive statement? There's, a, there's a case to be made for that. That is a damn good movie. Space, I look, Space, I look, and it's a fascinating movie because you kind of you break that one down and you go, I shouldn't like that movie. Yeah. And it's, I think it's worth analyzing. Well, Blade Runner but Surrogates honestly, did it first. Yeah. I look forward to the day where we finally start duking it out over Godfather. Uh, I yes. very much look forward to that because yeah. I will go to bat for Godfather. Uh, you can say what you want about I, I'm, I won't even defend two as much as I defend the first one. You know, like the first one I feel is 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 I don't think it's the best film of all time. I don't even think it's Francis Ford Coppola's best film, but I love that movie. Matt's got one. Then we need to move on. I, I want one more. But go ahead. Oh, yeah. well, just uh, one. Just the I just, I just really like to do the Riddick movies. Riddick. Riddick. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Those have been re- requested actually. Ryan. No. Oh, why are you waving at me? I was waving at you to ask how much time. We have. Oh, oh, we're like an hour in. Uh, I, I would say also one that I just finally saw recently and am very much looking forward to doing is Jackie Brown. Ah, uh, going, going back to what we were talking about, about uh, the difference between best and favorites, uh, it's not my favorite It's actually something I need to revisit because I was not as nearly as aware as I was when I first watched yeah, it. Yeah, it's, it's not my favorite Tarantino film. That would be Kill Bill for a number of reasons that it just is totally you my just hate Bill. fucking thing. But... Uh, but I think I'm I'm gonna go out on a limb here and say that I think Jackie Brown is Tarantino's best film. Wow. I would agree. I would agree. Damn. I would absolutely agree with that. Yeah. All right, let's uh, move on to the next question. This comes from Zarban. Uh, I saw Jeff Goldblum on the BBC BBC show Top Gear. He drove around their track in third gear the whole time because he misunderstood the instructions from the Stig. This has never happened before, even with Doctor Who's Billy Piper, who took a wrong turn and cut off a third of the track, or Tom Cruise, who nearly rolled the car and he still topped the field. The question is. Does this seem normal for Jeff Goldblum, Brian? And the the answer, I've, I'm sure I've told the story before, but I, at the Playhouse West, the acting school across the street that I go to, I haven't gone to recently, but uh, was co-founded by Jeff Goldblum, and I had the opportunity over a year ago now to uh, be taught by him for one special class. So I've spent a uh, solid like three and a half hours in the same room as Jeff Goldblum. He actually looked at me and talked to me, and we interacted. And my answer is yes. Jeff Goldblum is a weird, weird motherfucker. He is more Jeff Goldblum in real life than he is in the Jeff Goldblum in the movies. Is Jeff Goldblum toned down? Uh, he's less than one Goldblum in the movies. It, we call a Goldblum. He's it's, a lo- like, it's a log scale. Yeah, it's it's. And you know, maybe he was vamping a little bit because he's you know teaching a bunch of actors that are like googly eyed because they're in the same room as him. I I'm sure that's part of it. But I mean, I know a lot of people who are who are friends with him and. Uh, hang out with him, and I've spent a lot of time with him, and they they all say yes, he's he's even more Jeff Goldblum in real life than he is as on the screen. That is the best news I've heard in my life. <laughs> all right, let's move on to the next one. Uh, this is from Jersey City Frankie. Uh, what's your favorite actual Hollywood DVD commentary track? Do you guys have any of those? Uh, I am a big fan of Peter Jackson's uh, Lord of the Rings uh, extended or uh, extra crispy, whichever you prefer. Um, <laughs> And uh, also is King Kong, but uh, if you, the uh, yeah, commentary, yeah. yeah. T- T- I'm sorry, in the chat room, FCW says, so in real life, Goldblum's really a walkin. Yeah, that's true, exactly. <laughs> it's one of the great myths. Well done. Yeah, one of the great myths. Sorry, commentary um, tracks. It, Peter Jackson's commentaries uh, on most everything, because Peter Jackson, uh, you know, there there are good as there are good commentaries. Like John Favreau's Iron Man 2 commentary was literally just, you know, here's here comes... Him, he's funny. Yeah, it's bad. You know, it was really kind of like, oh man, dude. Um, but uh, Peter Jackson is so, uh, and other other com- other commentators are as well. But Peter Jackson is so upfront about. We really struggle with this scene. I don't know if this scene really works. I really, to this day, don't know cool. if this scene works. Um, and especially, you realize how much they went through on on Lord of the Rings 
to try and find the shape of that thing after having shot it while editing it before, you know, and then calling everyone back a year later for reshoots and going, okay, now we need to figure out how this movie really needs to go together. And, and really understand, like, the process of making a huge epic film or any film. Uh, he, he's the most, one of the most upfront and fascinating to listen to that I've found, uh, just to where I go, that, that's really the process, as opposed to just a fluffy piece about, yeah, he was funny. This one time he fell down and dropped his craft service bagel. That was awesome. He gets into the, you know, the nitty-gritty of like what he, he was done doing. He down in his movies. Yeah, he totally, he totally talks about what it was like, and, and he'll be perfectly honest about, uh, yes, wow, we had a hard time with this scene, and we just didn't know what to do with the scene for the longest time. I like a Darabont commentary. No. I want to throw I, out there... Uh, I, I have two. Um, number one, um, if you get the new uh, Fight Club special edition, I think it's actually the Blu-ray. It's got four commentaries on it that are all excellent. And, like, I mean, one is, like, actors, one is Fincher, one's, like, the, the DP, and they're just talking about, like, lenses and how they shot it and, and their setups and stuff the whole time. And it's, it's fantastic from a, from a technical level. Yeah, I'm not a big Fincher fan, but his, his social network commentary is, is yeah, good. Very good. It's worth listening to. Yeah, that's great. And Eddie, then, Eddie, um, Eddie, don't you? Oh, I'm sorry. You don't know. Oh, yeah, you one two. more. Yeah. Brian might be aware of this one. But actually, um, Sunshine. Um, the oh, Blu-ray yeah, Brian, that has a Brian Cox commentary where it's oh, all yeah, just yeah, him yeah. talking about who was, who was like a like science consultant on um, on the oh, movie, yeah, yeah. and so it's just him talking all just interesting technical stuff, and it's really fun because he's you know he's obviously if you know him you know he's just a very sort of passionate guy about it, and that just comes through as just you're just hanging out with Brian Cox talking. The uh, the Wrath of Khan, uh, Nicholas Meyer, the director of Wrath of Khan, is also a very good commentary because he talks at length about uh, how he uh, got an actual solid performance out of Shatner and what he had to do and and <laughs> what it was like for him to come to this franchise and you know picking out a story from the original series and then building a movie out of that. So it's very good. Uh, oh, go okay, go ahead. Go Everyone ahead. has one. Uh, well, I just wanted to say I I actually. Although I've just recently started listening to the to them again, I think uh, the Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs official commentary is great, and so is the Kick-Ass one. Yeah, also, Kick-Ass the Matthew Vaughn Kick-Ass one. Um, but for a long time, I actually hadn't listened to commentaries. But so many years ago, when I was listening to commentaries all the time, some of the some of my favorite ones were actually uh, Stephen Summers, who I'm not a yeah, huge fan of as a director, yeah. but his commentaries on the Mummy movies. Yeah. Are, re- are really phenomenal for the same reason that you were talking about with Lord of the Rings. He's just very... Very honest. He's very candid. And he's, he's sitting there, I think, with his DP or something, and they're joking around. He's got, it's you know... Editor, he, oh, his editor. He, they've got scare moments. He's like... Yeah, so that bit totally, you know, freaks you out, but it doesn't really make sense if you think about it. He, like, picks apart his own film on the commentary, so I, I appreciated that. Yeah. Which is interesting because if you compare that between The Mummy and even The Mummy Returns, which is a pretty strong entry into, the, into that franchise, but then he totally went off the cliff with Van Helsing <laughs> and, and his commentary for Van Helsing which I have I actually own Van Helsing is a little more I felt a little more of that tone of desperation where he's not ready to admit that things didn't work right there's a little more like and then yeah Hugh Jackman awesome and these effects are great and he fell back more into the less about the process and less admitting about the parts that didn't quite uh, work Maul just stole it from me just, but that was one of mine yeah. that, was, that was what I was Joss on Objects in Space from Firefly DVDs. Yeah. Joss that, because, and the reason why I was going to say that one was well if you want to know how far off the deep end a filmmaker can go it's kind of like wow that's what you were thinking okay yeah. dude no, that's, <laughs> no, it's, it's like it's, the line from the uh, Dr. Horrible the commentary musical where he's like it comes from pain well, it's just, I mean, some, some filmmakers work from the outside in, in the sense that they think of a setting, and then they think of, or a character, and then they, they build sort of inside as they develop outside.
inside. Joss Whedon starts from the very tiny core of the first molecule inside of something and then literally just layers and layers and layers. So when he does a commentary, especially like objects in space, he starts talking very broad thematic terms that just sort of like, really? Okay. All right. I'm with you on that. I was going to say that one. I was going to say uh, it just came out, the uh, Cable Guy 10th anniversary. Or, or... No, seriously. Wow, you were the only one. All right. Yeah. No, Cable Guy, so I defend that movie. And I think that's a great movie. And actually, I, actually, I, I would too. I, and, but it's, to, just a, it's not the movie that Jim Carrey's fans wanted him to do. No, but it is a great movie. It's and a great I got to say, say what you want about Ben Stiller as a performer. He had a real shot as a director, and that movie killed him dead as a director. Tropic Thunder. I love Zoolander. Tropic, yeah, but how long? How long? Exactly. How long did how it long take did him? Take, what yeah. about Zoolander? Didn't he direct Zoolander? No, he didn't direct Zoolander. Did he write it or something? He, he, he did well, something he with it. The concept, but him as a director, especially if you watched the Ben Stiller yeah. show back in the in the yeah. early nineties, as he, I did, really and good. loved that show. He's really good as a director. And but specifically, that commentary is wonderful because Jim Carrey is just merciless. He doesn't give a fuck in that commentary, and he lets everybody yeah. have it who who had something to do with that movie getting hamstrung the way. It did. Yeah, when there's when there's time has passed, often you know that's those yeah. commentaries you really want to yeah, hear. Exactly, because exactly. people can kind of admit. Uh, I, don't know, I don't know when it came out, but apparently I haven't heard it. But John August is one of the one of the many writers on. Uh, Charlie's Angels full throttle. Uh, yeah. He says that they they have a writer's commentary in which they because they all wrote different drafts and it's all the writers kind of going yeah so this was your part that doesn't connect at all to my part right you know and, and they, they actually analyze why their own scripts amalgamation didn't work the, out. the other two I was going to say real quick uh, the original Boogie Nights commentary yes. with the cast yeah. I love because that has such it reminds me similar to kind of like what we do here there's a ton of people in the room people are cooking someone brought their baby like it's just it's yeah. just like everyone's just it's very relaxed but it's very yeah. candid and you really do feel like you're in that room with them uh, that one and then I was going to say uh, one other um, and shit I can't think of it but go ahead Paul, well, Paul, the, uh, well, Paul Thomas Anderson in general his, his actual commentaries too is, is real are great yeah. is, he, he also is just very open about the process and and what he was you know what was going into it. Yeah, the, well, the, the the writer's commentary for the first uh, for first pirates movie is excellent. Uh, they go into like it, they actually try to help you understand. That, okay, this is in fact just for, fast forward to the credits because they actually go okay. So th- this is exact thirty years ago. Jack's father. Da, 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 da. Uh, there's that one. I also want to throw out. Here's one from left field. Uh, the directed commentary for Salt by Philip Noyce. Um, that is he, left field. Well, because he actually goes into how his like his father was uh, in World War II, he he got pulled into training special ops people, so he he actually has a background in this. It was it was very interesting. I think uh, also Kevin Smith gave good commentary back in the day. That's the thing. I, I was going to say the Mallrats commentary, but that was before I had had way yeah. too much Kevin Smith. Up through, up through Dogma, I think he was giving good commentary. The Chase and Amy commentary is really yeah. good. The Clerks one is great because Jay is passed out on the floor yeah. periodically, and every now and then, like Jay, what do you remember about the scene? I like movies. I mean, that was, you know, he was just Jason Mewes was just completely out of it the entire time, just drunk off his ass. The, the chat room says Ben Stiller directed Zoolander. What up? Right. Three movies, three movies, and like I said, that he in fifteen years, good, good job. I like Zoolander. I carry a torch for Zoolander and basketball. Anyway, I, th- I think they're both fun movies. I, I, I really I'm enjoyed actually, the shit out of both just, of those. Just from like a. a my my inner hipster, I like basketball a little bit more because everyone likes Zoolander. That's I love baseball. <laughs> so let's move on. Uh, what what is one feature that any or all of you wish that the podcast had but doesn't right now? Massage. <laughs> <laughs> Massage. Did anyone else want that one? Because I, I I earmarked that one. S- something about uh, something we could add to the show. Yeah, uh, I'm the Eduardo Saverin of the group. Advertising. <laughs> I, no, I'm, I'm, there, I'm there with you, dude. Yeah, I think it's all in the marketing. This episode of Down in Front brought to you by Meltdown Comics. They give you 10 bucks. It's on the internet forever. 
we have a hundred episodes. That'd be a thousand bucks. Ten dollars. No, I, I, I think I think our product is really really good. I think it's cool. I th- it's funny you mentioned the Facebook thing because that's kind of how I feel now. It's like I feel like we've got this really cool thing, but we don't really know what it is yet. And e- two years into it, we're still yeah. figuring it out. And I don't know the right way to market it. Totally it. is no, that. I'm but totally I, there. I just saw a social network, and the whole time I'm thinking, this is down in front. Yeah. No, exactly. I, I'm not I've opposed to analogy, it. I've used that analogy before. I just I think that you know. I'm this, not opposed to it. Someone's got to do it, though, because... Chat room, get on it. This yeah. episode brought to you by X. You know, I mean, come on, what's that worth? Ten, there's, there's X number of thousands of listeners. You know, I'm, uh, I'm a, It's going to be on the internet forever. I'm actually friends with Joe Rogan. He, he's my old jiu-jitsu buddy. He does a daily podcast, or vlog, or a Ustream, I should say. Daily? Daily. Or right. f- five days a week. But he makes it work, and he has guests. He has like he just had Dave Foley on. They were reminiscing about news radio. He had Andy Dick on a few weeks ago. He had Dana DiArma on, the porn star, the other day. His is sponsored by The Flushlight. And he gets five grand a month to just say, this is brought to you by the Fleshlight. He holds it up and just tosses it. And invariably, they end up making fun of the Fleshlight most of the way if anyone, If any of our listeners in the chat room or who are hearing this later have a product that they want to advertise on Down in Front, downinfrontshow at gmail.com. Well, also, let's talk. Let's, let's talk. There's a difference between also advertising and promotion. Well, exactly. You know, we, we also need Marketing. to get out there more. If, I, if I, everything you guys are saying is right. It's just anything. that someone has to do it, and I have a job. We all, have, not, we all have jobs. I mean, like, okay. Know. I'm just saying. I mean, in the I'm, chat room, Holden's like, it sounds like I'm about to have a lot of work we've been, to do. We've just, I mean, we've been, <laughs> this is something we've been talking about for two years, and it's like, seriously. Yeah. And it's like, every time we have this conversation, we're like, all right, here's what we're going to do. And then a couple weeks later, it's like, yeah, but that sounded really hard. Ready? Break. Yeah. Uh, uh. Well, <laughs> the, the issue is that, you know, it, no one will buy advertising on a thing that has no audience. You know, it's it's true everywhere else. But we have, you know, we have an audience. X number of thousands, you know, that that becomes an area of interest. And 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 I'm the one who's probably looked more into marketing on the web and I've been doing it for longer. Again, you kids were in, were in elementary school when I was putting stuff on the web. Um, CompuServe. Back, back when we yeah, back when we invented the web and all that. And, and there were three people on it. It was awesome. Yeah, there's all three of us, and we were just you know selling. Some someday we'll uh, be able to to sell ads to each other. Um, but, but, Without but, crashing the but economy. But one of the things that's kind of interesting is is it's been it's been you know people are how do you monetize the internet? I mean, still nobody has the you know the golden golden ticket. Some people think they do, and some people it's working for. It. But but one of the things they talk about South is by Southwest right is, is yeah, is, yeah, and having having parties together. But the one of the things they pointed out is like podcasts. Built-in product placement advertising in podcasts, people actually enjoy it because if you know if we if we said this episode brought to you by the flashlight, the flashlight, which we don't even know what that is, and we <laughs> yeah I do, that, and we and we yeah okay fair enough. Matt's innately familiar with the flashlight. Yeah, and well, we I, I, whatever I, I, it I is, you know, by it. the garden weasel, you know, it's like which I think is similar <laughs> to the flashlight, but the, <laughs> I may be confused about that. Anyway, the you know that that if you know it's like again chat room back me up on this if I'm you know if I'm lying tell me, but uh, you know if we talk about Brought to you by anything. Well, if it's something goofy, we mock it. But you know, the point is, advertisers go. You just said the name of our product to seven thousand people. That's fine. Or something. Well, yes, exactly. And then if it's a product it's like that we actually would endorse, this episode brought to you by Malibu Rum. Exactly. If it's a project we actually would endorse, like Meltdown Comics. Hey, Meltdown Comics. Go to Meltdown Comics. They're on Sunset Boulevard. Blah blah blah. blah. You know, and we actually, it is a product that we actually endorse. We're not being paid to endorse it. We actually endorse it. Exactly. You know, it's like people. Anyway, studies have shown that people who listen to podcasts. Enjoy that either way, as opposed mm-hmm. to listening to a thirty-second commercial for for Diet Slice. If the people themselves actually just do the, do the placement themselves, it's it's such a great throwback to back when the, the game show days. Back when Batman would go, you know, these are some cool Larrabee cigarettes, Robin. You you bet they are. Or yeah. on Twenty One, we'd be like, friends, let me quickly talk to you about my friends over at. Yeah, I mean that's <laughs> exactly that's, and, and, and radio they still do that exactly. And I and I think we could easily do that. We just need someone who thinks we're worth giving. Money Inside to. Outcast has a great idea of visual effects schools as sponsors, well, considering how much fucking oh, yeah. time we talk. About VFX on this, we also, we, we, we also had about, 
uh, an idea for products of uh, like e- each episode we would like insult a product and tell them if you pay us we'll stop doing this <laughs> blackmail <laughs> the, the anti reverse advertising Adver- yeah, exactly. advertising extortion I believe is what that is that's a Monty Python skit yeah. anyway well we've talked about doing uh, trying to do the convention thing we all have kind of a presence or have had presence in conventions and going to film schools and and somehow involving ourselves or doing something in partnership with various film schools like uh, <laughs> like Dave Full Sail or LA Film School or whatever and, and doing sort of but again that's that, that goes along with the advertising where we have these ideas and then we go ah but somebody actually actually do that I uh, still think Netflix would probably be more appropriate some Shifty Bench just said Netflix likes to pon- uh, sponsor a podcast so we, we've uh, we were we've been talking we talk yeah. all about no we, yeah. we ha- we've yeah. we've been uh, we can get we have it yeah. We just have to. We well, we we've been approved for it. We I feel. Like, I feel like clever, and the then clever and clever listeners will go. Yeah, but before they sold out, because you notice now they only recommend Netflix streaming instant movies. <laughs> uh, you know, I, th- I think I think there's a large discussion we should probably have after the podcast. Well, but uh, you know, well, it's, it's but, absolutely worth talking. Anyway, about. that's my answer to the question. I I, th- I think it's time to monetize the site. Yeah. They still manage to sell pants, even though fashion is never finished. <laughs> uh, all right. What total? This is a shadow duelist question. What total volume of alcoholic beverage do you each estimate you've drank over the course of recording down in front? Uh, um, I've drank a lot. I well, just put my name next to that question because I wanted to <clears throat> tell people if you go to my TwitPic account, which is uh, I believe it's you know Ryan Weber, same as on Twitter. Uh, go back to our Star Trek commentary, and there's a picture of me <laughs> holding up the technical manual, and then after that we recorded the Terminator Three one, and then. It's a picture of my counter that is just full of empty bottles. That was all consumed on that day. That wasn't like I pulled out ones out of my trash and stuff. Like that was that was four people drinking. Although that's a, that, that's a declining thing. And and someone else asked, you know, what kind of snacks do we eat? And we kind of phased that out as well. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, Although Dorkman still eats a sour patch kids. I've, yeah. As I've been munching on potato skins for the last. Yeah, and, I, hour. and I've got my trail mix here, but, but it's not as far as Mike a, at least. As far as a regular, you know, we used to begin like you know every episode with plunking down the cheez its and the you know the Cheetos and everything else. Um, we kind of backed away from the alcohol and the snacking during shows. That's that's been a declining trend, I think. That was one of the most annoying things about like the first like yeah maybe ten episodes is just like this is sweet. Oh yeah, everyone complains so, um, about the early eating yeah. on the mic. Someone and in the forum was like, uh, "Guys on Jaws, you're eating the microphone a lot." I'm like, "We've gotten better at it yeah. in the last ninety episodes." Yeah, Jaws yeah. was episode ten. Yeah, cut us some slack, guys. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I because I, early on it was like, oh, you know, it's just. Dudes hanging out and watching a movie, so we had snacks and drinks and stuff like that. But now we're like, no, we're actually th- this is a thing. We have work so, to do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now we're fucking film school, yeah. man. Yeah, but it's right. but it's been a li- it's also been a little while since there was a movie worth getting really hammered for. Also, sure. we'll, we'll have yeah, exactly. So yeah, yeah. so I'm sure I'm sure I'll uh, get there again with Airbender. All right, what is your favorite score or individual piece of sound design in a film? That's Tommy Taylor's question. Uh, I, I tend to like uh, stuff that's unnerving. I, I tend to like I, – I, I mentioned it before. I, I do think score a lot of times is used as a way to give permission to your feeling and sort of you know the feeling and to support the emotion of the scene. And so I kind of like uh, scores that invert that a little bit. Classically, the classic model for me is the Ligeti score for 2001 because that's, that's so like – Fuck. Like, you're just nervous watching it. You're just, you get very unnerved on what is exactly a, a pretty simple composition, you know? Uh, thank you, Dre. <laughs> keep going if you want me exactly. to do your background. So, yeah, exactly. Let me set the tone. So, anyway. No, but, uh, so with that in mind, I really liked, um, Johnny Resnick's score for There Will Be Blood. Um, I think that's very similar. Johnny Resnick from the Goo Goo Dolls? No, no, no. Or what the hell's his name? The guy from Radiohead, the guitarist from Radiohead. I uh, forget oh. his name. Tom York? 
No, 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 no. Uh, Edward Woodward. <laughs> Chloe kind of knows it, or at least she's doing an impression of knowing it. Um, the Battle anyway, of Hastings. That guy. Uh, I like that one because there, there's some very odd sort of weird percussive elements that logically shouldn't make sense what they do. And then most recently, the uh, the score for The Social Network. Um, yeah. If you ever get the DVD, um, watch the watch the little featurette on the Swarmatron, which is, an, awesome. which is an instrument that uh, Trent has been using on the How to Destroy Angels album a lot. His wife, Maraqueen, kind of mans this thing, and it's this weird double rubber band that starts by a key. Like You have to actually like turn it over to get it going. And uh, he says, if you open up any of my keyboards or any of my modern stuff, it's all just printed circuit boards, very neat. The Swarmatron, you open up, it's just a box of wires where you have no idea where anything's going. And it literally creates multiple tones. And um, the temp score they used on on Social Network was very like that, that opening scene where he's walking back uh, to the dorm. It was very like, bam, 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 bam. It was very like Seinfeld ish. And, and they wanted to, and. Um and uh, Sorkin, wa- Sorkin wanted an Elvis Costello song on top right, of that. Right, right. And, so, and, and instead of that, they chose the track uh, Hand Covers Bruise, which is this, this very, like, it's a soft piano, but underneath that is this swarmatron, this very unnerving. I, I, I guess my point is I, just, I tend to go towards scores that are, um, would seem counterintuitive to the scene, but somehow work. So, Hallelujah and Watchmen. Um, you know, I kind of, I kind of, I'm a fan of that one. I, I, it kind of works for me. It kind of works for me. Song. Like, it's not at all what I imagined. It's a joke. It, 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 it is, is a joke. joke. He says in, in a way, though, he said at Comic Con, he's like, I am making fun of this. Because right. this scene would be too serious if I put a serious song. And the idea is how awkward and ridiculous this whole scene is. Right. So. I, and I get that, but for whatever reason, like, there's, and, and maybe on a subtextual layer that he doesn't ever intend, and I fully believe that sometimes great miracles in filmmaking happen completely without the intention of the director. Sure. Uh, but I think that's I think that's the case where it actually kind of worked for me in some way, and not just as a joke. As, ex- as excited as I am that uh, Social Network and Trent Reznor's and Atticus's uh, work got to... Uh, the win! Uh, I feel that uh, Daft Punk was drastically robbed by not even giving a nomination, and I, and I think that's a yeah, they, legacy soundtrack. They deserve, really they deserve a nomination. I, both of those are in my CD player right now, and, and those are both great scores. If you had told me in 1997 that Nine Inch Nails and Tron were going to, or Daft Punk were going to do amazing scores right. you know, 15 years later, that would have blown my wee mind. I'm waiting for Candlebox to just do as the it score blew my to, mind uh, when, Just as it blew my mind when that guy from Oingo Boingo started yeah, yeah, yeah. composing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or when Mark or Mothersbaugh. Or Randy Newman, for that matter. Or the guy from Devo doing the music for Rugrats. You know yeah. I mean? That's, it's, uh, my favorite score, I really go back and forth on this a lot. Um, I think my favorite score is Indiana Jones 2, Temple of Doom. If not that, it's Jurassic Park, and they're both John Williams scores. Yeah. Um, favorite sound design. I love the sound effect in Contact. Yeah, that, that's great. Um, that's very iconic. It's, yeah. it's just terrifying. And for a long time, Matt's uh, ringtone was the uh, the shit from Sunshine. Yeah, yeah. I'd, 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 lean, I'd lean toward the uh, distress signal in Sunshine. Right on. Cool. Uh, what else? Was there, there, was, there was one last question, and it wasn't uh, – we had way too many, so we had everyone just like note which ones they thought would be a really cool one that they could bring an anecdote to. Uh, and no one noted this one, but I still want to call it out at yeah. least. Uh, Phi mm-hmm. uh, asked us to describe each panelist without saying what they look like, what they wear, their professional role, or their backstory. It's going to get ugly. It's a question to ask, not a funny question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's going to get – Good work, five. Moving on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, but should we point out because it, it, it's in the glossary now, right? Yeah. That is. Yeah, it is in the glossary. The plinket test. Plinket test. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's a bunch of other ones that no one, uh, no one had a particular. That doesn't thing, mean but... that they aren't good. or yeah. Excellent questions. We can. We can you know, these are all. There's, there's a shit ton of great questions. Like uh, this one from Shifty Bench. Have you ever said or done anything while recording Diff that you now regret? Okay, this is mainly aimed at Teague. Yeah, I passed out on Armageddon. I know. Yeah. 
I don't feel good about it. Run, don't walk. Yeah, yeah. the Armageddon's commentary. Jesus Christ. Oh, I'm sorry, it's Ar- Armageddon. I actually kind of feel bad about being like, put it out, don't be a pussy. Because <laughs> you, you had mentioned in the email, you're like, I'm not sure I want to put Armageddon out, but we don't have anything. I'm like, put it out, pussy. And then you did, and now you feel a little bad about it. So now I feel bad. So maybe we should maybe we should redo a co- an Armageddon commentary. Maybe, maybe. I really enjoy the commentary well. myself. It's, it's also the one where I think I made that terrible gaffe about uh, Gail Ann Hurd's company Valhalla. So you know it's 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 really a low point for both Teague and myself. <laughs> uh, a bunch of people asked this one. I'll, I'll read Zarban's version of the question. Have you ever considered doing commentaries for television shows like Doctor Drew's Celebrity Rehab? Um, <laughs> well, there, there, we, we, we love television shows. I would say yes and no to that exact question. Yeah. <laughs> like, 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 we, like we, what? We all Josh, love television shows. Uh, we have a lot of movies to get through. But I, I yeah. seriously want to get some Firefly under our belts before we disband and however many years we disband. Yeah, but. I'd love to do Firefly, but I feel like we'd want to do all of Firefly. And so we're yeah, just resistant to that. I, I want to do Firefly. So I, I would like to do uh, Battlestar. I think there's yeah. a lot of good we things We came within an inch of doing a, a day of, of two uh, two Firefly episodes. Already I, th- I think yeah. already was... picked out the two. Or the pilot. Do. The pilot's feature. The pilot's like, two hours yeah, long. You know, so. yeah. Anything else on here? Oh, this is a cool one from Anadreth. Uh, any piece of advice mentioned on the podcast that you wish filmmakers would use the most? Like the one that's the most, you know, not done that we think should be done oh. and it's it's more of like a screenwriting theory thing i guess uh i i don't know like there's not a trend of people who always fuck this up <laughs> it's always a bunch of random different things like i i always in my brain now keep a, a list of how many guns are on the mantle at the beginning of the movie mm-hmm. and then at the end of the movie and if there's still guns on the mantle in the credits then i'm like ding <laughs> but other, i mean that's not a big deal don't show me how awesome of a writer or a director you are. Just tell me the fucking story. <laughs> Don't get in my face about. And this is that you know when I was younger, I would be like, oh Tarantino and Kubrick, they're yeah. getting in my look, face about. Look how, at them. Look being at them. All direct. the directory there. Yes. Look how awesome the directing is. And yeah. at this point, no. Just tell me the story, the best <laughs> and the most simplest and most affecting way you can. William, William, by, Remove yo, your own ego from it as much as you possibly can. We haven't mentioned can. William Goldman yet, and of course yeah. we have we have to. So I'm, I'll be the one to do it, like usual. But uh, I was just rereading his uh, one of his books, and, and just one of the great things is this, talks about. Uh, he says, you know, people ask like, how do you tell a good story? He goes, it's the little engine that could. Okay. Read the little engine that could. It's in, you know it's written for like six year olds. Mm-hmm. You know it's like read that thing and tell me if by the end you're not praying for that train to get those fucking toys over the mountain. <laughs> right. And he says that's what screenwriting is. Just get the fucking toys over the mountain. Right. That's the process. Just that's it. Yeah. Really quickly, someone someone mentioned uh, doing TV shows. This is something I've been kind of lobbying for, and I don't know whether it's possible or not. And I think it's on a case by case basis. I really would like us to do a documentary or two. And I someone just asked that and, in the question. Uh, uh, no? yeah. Frank I, just asked. I think. I think um, I think there's some documentaries that again it's a very broad swatcher because wh- what are you doing? I, I want to I want to do Exit to the Gift Shop. I th- Exit to the, I mean yes, but that's yeah. there's certain documentaries that lend itself. I think well, there's to a, a there's a discussion to be had about how much of it is real and what isn't. In what case you didn't sure. hear me while I was yeah. leaning back, bah. Well, I mean, and I and I like that movie, but I don't know if that lends itself to to one. I think there are other yeah. movies yeah, where we'll just do your Zachary though, because that'll be a love. I can't, no, I'm, I'm a dad now. I cannot watch that <laughs> yeah. fucking movie yeah. uh, ever. We'll again. We'll recommend um, it, but we will never do. Dear Eddie, Zachary. is there a documentary that comes to mind of something we could actually down in front? Uh, you know, off the top of my head, I would say um, I like Mr. Death. It's an Errol Morris that, documentary. That's, that's a good one. That's, that's a, a really good one. one. It's about a guy who uh, builds execution machines for prisons and then all of a sudden he's called in as an expert witness to debate the holocaust and whether or not it's happened Ooh, yeah I, and, I want to see that document and, but it's, if you're not familiar with Errol Morse's style he has a he's got he's the most fascinating documentarian to me because he it's primarily interview combined with 
recreations combined with just these really interesting shots. Philip Glass does all of his scores. He, it's it's really like that's what I'm talking about as far as like a lyrical documentary. That's a perfect example of it. Um, They're all good. I actually my favorite of his is Fast Cheap and Out of Control. Fast Cheap and Out of Control is great. It's that's amazing. That's very TV like, and that's very yeah. that's more. He had a TV show on Bravo many years ago called First Person, yeah. which yeah. is amazing. Pick it up on DVD, and you know what's the one? Uh, what's the one about the people jump who jump from the San Francisco? Bridge? Oh, the bridge. The bridge. The bridge. I oh, have that God. one. That's I amazing. I Bridge. I'm like, watch the first. Talk, talk about a movie that hooks you in the first five minutes. Oh my god! Right now, that that yeah, that movie was hard to watch, obviously. But yeah. uh, as far as other documentaries, I think Capturing the Freedmans is pretty spectacular. That's, and, well, another That's, movie that I I don't really want to see again. No, because it's, it, again, it's hard. Pisses to watch. me off so much. It pisses yeah. me off too. But it's like it's, it's talk it's talk about a twisty, turny. Almost oddly noirish in a way. Documentary. Uh, that's a really great one. The documentary about R. Crumb. I forget what it was called. But, uh, uh, R. It's a Crumb. Crumb. Yeah, Crumb. And yeah. My, uh, my Frank old, referenced that one. My too. old, yeah, my, old uh, my old boss edited that one. Uh, another friend of mine edited uh, Confessions of a Superhero, which I think is a really solid up and coming oh, one. Oh yeah. Um, There's Trekkies. Trekkies. Is Tre- a, is Trekkies a is great. Uh, There's Michael Moore. I'm sure we could have a lot of things to uh, say uh, about like, Michael Moore. Well, and that's and that's what I'm saying is because here we go. I I really do make a distinction because I come from a documentary background. I want to make a distinction between political polemic. And uh, and documentary and like the the eco documentaries. Even if I agree with them politically, I have no interest in watching them just because I want to hear a story. I don't want to hear someone preaching at me for two hours. In the chat room, uh, Empire of Dreams uh, came up. I love. I think Empire of Dreams is crazy awesome. Empire of Dreams is great. Uh, Uh, Now, Freakonomics, the the Freakonomics movie. I actually wasn't a big fan of them. Haven't seen it. uh, Yeah, that was a good one. Well, I like the content, but uh, you know the book was better. You know what we say, should do. You say, know what we should do. We should get like a scientist on and do what the bleep do we know? Oh God. That's what fuck we that movie. Do. Fuck that movie. I, yes. I would also yeah. say um, uh, Twist of Faith. I think is a really amazing uh, by Kirby Dick, who also did uh, this film's not yet rated. Oh, the film's not yet rated. There's one. That's we need a to put really on great one, one we could yeah, do. Oh yeah, hell yeah. Film's not yet Absolutely. rated. I think we could easily do. I think we could easily do. Um, Shit, uh, Dark Days. I think is spectacular. Dark Days. I keep meaning to see. It's, it's been on my list forever. Soundtrack by DJ Shadow and yeah. Uncle. Uh, and and that's that. The, the, the story of the making of that movie is as spectacular it's as the fascinating. movie. I, so. It's been on my it's been on my Netflix queue forever, and I haven't gotten to it yet. Uh, any serious discussion of bringing all the masters of Down in Front together to make an independent film? This doubles as my <laughs> pledge to donate some pittance to a Kickstarter page or other equivalent to help finance. From Robert, I'm going to screw this up, man. I'm sorry. Keek, maybe Keese, K I E C. Keech, perhaps? Not, if he's not curing lupus, it doesn't matter what his name I'm is. I'm going to go with Keech. Anyway, uh, making a movie together? Well, we, like half we, of us we, have made we, movies together. We always kind of, there's, That's there's, how we know each other. There's like eight <laughs> Brian, Brian helped me with my short film. Yeah. Uh, everyone helped Eddie with his short film. We've all worked on Pink Five. Ryan and Dorkman made a movie together. Brian and, Sorry, working, try, Brian and I are working, working on right movie. now. We're going to leave here and go work on a movie that we're trying right. to finish up right now. Right. Brian's going to help me film some test footage eventually. When eventually, I, we're eventually still going to get around right. to that. I, I've just sold okay. a script to a production company that, in which half the people in this room are just characters in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wrote, well, them, I wrote everybody did, in this room down did, and made did, a movie we, out of it. We did spend a day at that one studio helping break that break, thing. Break that yeah, story. Yeah, yeah. Which we did a story treatment together. The Down and Front crew came together to do a story treatment for one of Trey's projects. And we do want to do a movie called Dorkman and the Weebs. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah but a buddy by cop. We, they, you mean you? By, no, it's my idea. A buddy cop called Dorkman and the Weebs, where they solve crime with lightsabers. <laughs> Come on, nice. I, but I know, but I, I was—it's no injured stormtrooper. I've, I've been consulting Mike about a World War II idea I've kind of had, and like there's, you know, there's, there's lots. I mean, we already sort of do this. That's kind of how we all know each other. Yeah, and, we pass stuff around, but I don't think I, I think it's the kind of thing where you're not gonna, you're not likely. Well. I guess it's the a question good thing. is like asking that we're all going to get together as a brain trust yeah, and yeah. craft not, the perfect movie. Yeah, you're not gonna, uh, yeah, you're yeah. not going to see one one you know movie just just one because I think 
Oh, they're in front production. Yeah, there's because so, there are so many people here who want to make their own project with different sensibilities yeah. too. Yeah, you know? I, I don't and, think and that probably would. I mean, that would probably be a case of too many chiefs and not enough Indians yeah, yeah. in that scenario. Uh, Pavlich points out we should do Tokes and Stokes. Tokes and Stokes. <laughs> oh, and uh, I forgot today. to mention this: uh, former member Jeffrey Harrell and I wrote a feature together. There's, yeah. we, there's a bunch of that kind of shit, but I don't think we're going to get together you'll, to make, you'll see, make you'll, our garden space. You'll see like two or three of us work on each other's projects, yeah. I think. Is what yeah, like. and then, then depending on the scope of the project, other people kind of get drawn in. Like, okay, right. and now you right. come work, and you come work on it, and you right. come work on it. All right, I think I, we've, we've not had the whole... Uh, we've answered the shit out of it. The whole band We've, uh, the whole we've band reached the, thing, yeah. the end of our questions, and I want to I wanna, I wanna end on this oh, one. Oh, someone asked for a live chat at Comic-Con. How interesting. Uh, uh, if you came to the Meltdown show, I would have considered it, you people. This is the last question from Faldor. Uh, when you started the commentaries, did you really think you'd be doing them two years later? <laughs> My answer is no. No, no, absolutely not. No, I didn't think we'd make it. I, yeah. I thought I thought we'd do it, and then we'd be like, "Well, we're fresh out of talking," I, and then just <laughs> because the because the genesis of this was uh, Teague and our friend Chris Hanel had Geeksa in in Florida, and I weaseled my way into that when I was in Florida, and then Teague and I moved out here, and we all be started becoming friends. You know, everything happened. We continued Geeks out here. And that's where the uh, doing moving com- uh, our own movie commentaries for movies kind of originated. Uh, but Geeks have just kind of uh, petered out after a while as we kind of got busy with other things. And then some time went by, and and Teague had the idea uh, idea for this, and he told you know he mentioned it to me, and then he mentioned it to other guys, and I was like, yeah, that, that'd be a lot of fun. And it'll probably peter out after a few like months. Five <laughs> yeah. good episodes. Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, we, we, we all love getting it for val- a month, and then uh, yeah. we all love getting validation from random strangers on the internet. Yeah. I mean, sure, but how long can we keep that? Going? <laughs> Why else would we be here? Come on. Yeah, exactly. it still feels fun. Like there's not, there's not. I, I don't ever feel like, oh, I gotta do down in front. Yeah, it's still, you know, it's it never still feels fun that way. Right now, it's also fun as long as it's still fun. Because it's always a different movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a that's a large part of it. It's like. I think early on we're like, oh, we're going to run out of things to say. It's like, but we're not doing the same movie over and over again, so we're going to find new things to say with each. I movie. feel like we'd just be doing this stuff anyway, and there just happened to be mics. You know, yeah. like, I just the, well, that's that's part of why because because they had already done the commentary, and when uh, when Teague told me, I was thinking about the same thing because I was like I said earlier, I'm like that's already what I what we do. When we watch movies, if we record like it, people I. will download it. Yeah, so if we record it, we can put it on the internet. <laughs> well, that's the other missing ingredient for me is, is you know, I said, yeah, well, we can have a podcast. Who doesn't have a podcast, for heaven's sake? You know, but I, d- I didn't really expect anyone would be listening to it. Robert that K. Was, that took a while. So so the fact that I'm, I'm kind of, and I'm with Eddie that, you know, often the highlight of my week is like, hey, we get to do down in front tomorrow. Sweet. Um, but the, you know, the fact that, like, wait, people are listening to it. It's like, well, okay, then. Okay, then I guess we're doing something that's kind of valid, and we'll just keep fumbling through it until we figure out what what it is we're doing. In the chat, Robert K asks if there's a place where we can compile all of our short films that we've worked on with each other, and I'll put, I'll make a forum thread. That's a good idea. That's the, a good idea. In the off-topic yeah. uh, forum, sometime later tonight or tomorrow, there'll be a thread that has just a shit ton of YouTube don't, videos. Don't we have an entire forum section of creations? But I think he's saying, no, yeah. I think he's saying like a master like, thread. Yeah, yeah, like the the compilation but, of everything. But, there's an entire forum. Right. No, well, I'll put it. I'll put it in the creations You're talking forum. Talking about a box versus a house. <laughs> <laughs> I'll put it in the creations forum. Anyway, uh, so yeah, I guess I guess we're done with the uh, the second anniversary show. How many hours did you say it was, Ryan? That we've done. Oh, wasn't there? Wasn't there like a Zarban individual question? And we oh yeah. Doubled yeah. it. I forgot about this. Zarban gave us all questions. Uh, here's my question: Do you have to corral panelists? Do you consider yourself a panelist wrangler? Um, yes, but I don't do much corralling anymore. We've gotten really good at. at at what we're doing, and there's not much of that. Although in 2012, I did have to split people up because Jake and Dorkman were chewing on each other's necks. 
Um, <laughs> but no. Doesn't it kind of work the opposite way, though? It's more like, okay, uh, who's available to do it this week? Yeah. All right, now what movies can we do? Based right, on yeah. I mean, the, 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 tri- the trickiest part is getting it's, – it's, this is like herding cats. Uh, getting four people that have a schedule opening and then four people to talk about a movie that they care about and four people to talk about a movie that they care about that they can each talk about for about 30 minutes on their own times four you get a movie like you and have if, to you have and, to care about a movie and if there's any substitutions hey I want to do that movie that's actually the you biggest know, problem yeah. is yeah. if we if we, we want to do this movie but someone's not there and they, they really want to be on that commentary and an increasingly significant factor is movie that you haven't done already right yeah, you know. that's becoming a thing too uh, Brian which enterprise is your favorite enterprise <laughs> And and this is a cool one. And how do you, this is the second part? How do you imagine a real intergalactic starship would differ from the uh, Trek starships in oh, layout? Uh, yeah, get comfortable. Yeah. Uh, in terms of designs to look at, I like the Excelsior design the most. Just in terms of, the way, although I don't like the modifications they made to make the Enterprise B in the beginning of generations because it's just like extra crap on the model. It's it doesn't doesn't it clutters up the design anyway. Uh, but you if, see what you've done, Zarbeck. Imaginarily, if I were to serve on one, this is what you get. Uh, the the galaxy, the <laughs> Enterprise D, like I do oh, in my yeah. fanfic. Yeah. Okay, now because, we're talking. I mean, hey, if you want, D. if you want to get the naval feel, and you'd go for like the uh, a motion picture or Excelsior class. But come on, if you're going to be out in space for like ten years, you want a holodeck with you. Yeah. Now, well, in terms of oh, Trey, I'm just going to say. Thanks for sitting through that. That helped cure lupus. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it, it, talk about an intergalactic starship. Talk about Red Mars or something, real quick. Uh, no, no, absolutely not. Because the, the Enterprise is based around the magic bean of warp drive, and that's the magic bean. But uh, it would probably look more like sunshine. Uh, it would. Uh, it depends. Honestly, it depends on whatever magic bean be- ceases to be magic uh, in terms of making interstellar travel possible, whether it's wormhole or warp or whatever. Someone on Twitter gave us an anniversary present, which I tweeted, but I don't think you guys have all seen it yet. But someone, I forget the name, I'll look it up in a second and say the name on, on the show, but uh, they got they found a picture of Michael Bean with a flashlight over his shoulder that Jim is holding, and the, 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 it's uh, uh, Jim Cameron hung a lantern on his magic bean. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. I believe that was Ash Digital, if I recall correctly. That, sound, that sounds right. Anyway, uh, Michael, how did you get the nickname Dorkman, and why do you put up with it when you are the brilliant one? Is Dorkman your mother's maiden name or something? Um, I, I actually uh, I gave the name to myself, basically, in the, in the early days of consumer internets. Um, on, on, like, message boards and stuff, it was, like, just kind of the way I was like, people, people were calling me a dork. I'm like, fuck you. I'm, gonna, I'm taking it back. So I started calling. I'm the dork man. Yeah, well, no, I was dork boy at first because I was, oh. like, 14 or whatever. And then, uh, with yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then when I turned eighteen, I changed everything over to Dorkman. Did and you have to go down to the DMV and get at least? Yes, exactly. <laughs> I did. You reached the age of Dork Reason. Yes, exactly. <laughs> did you have a Dork Mitzvah? Yeah. <laughs> nice. I reached the Dork Age of Consent. Yes, exactly. So, um, so that's it. I mean, I just started calling myself that, and that's been my handle basically everywhere. So that's just become my thing. Trey, you are a good explainer. Have you ever taught elementary school? If not, what else drew you to these children? <laughs> That's such. Well, I'm going to try and explain. Um, first of all, I don't think of myself as a good explainer, so I'm not. I, I thanks. I guess. Um, no, I would not be a good elementary school teacher because my my ability to explain things lasts about as long as I explain things on an average episode of Down in Front. I've got about three minutes of explaining in me, and if it doesn't take... If I was in a room full of, like, you know, elementary school kids, 30 minutes max, I'd be... My God, you're all idiots. Oh, my God. 
get me out of here. I'm, I'm, I'll never be a father. I'll never be a, I'll never be a father. I'll never be a teacher. I have exactly four minutes of patience with any human being. And um, having taken direction from Trey, I can affirm that. That's right. <laughs> I do not suffer fools gladly, and most people are fools. Um, so it's, uh, it's actually not a good fit for me whatsoever. Ryan, would it be possible to create a Star Wars Star Trek mashup movie that would actually work? Uh, why did you get no. that one? The answer is no. Uh, if it were a comedy, you could probably. Yeah. yeah well, yeah, if it's Galaxy Quest, sure. But the the answer is no. They're entirely different universes. Magic beans and justifications and everything else are entirely different. As, Thank as, you, Ryan. As, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're having tea at the moment. Yeah. Okay. Fuck you guys. Uh, as, we, as, <laughs> as we talked about on Star Wars. 9.5. 9.5, everybody. Grab on. As we talked about on Star Wars, Star Wars is more fantasy than it is science fiction, where Star Trek in its, uh, in its best is actual science fiction. So they're really not even the same genre. Eddie had a question, then he answered it. Uh, uh, and about then, my car, dude. Come on. Yeah, so, actually, I, like, I want to hear the answer to Eddie's question because I'm fascinated by it. I want to hear uh, what the answer is. Let's see here. Da, 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 the da, da, new da. one. Oh, here we go. As a new father, what film or film franchise do you most... This is a great question. What a do you great mo- question. Do you most look forward to introducing your son to? Uh, it, it is a good question. It's the answer is Star Wars, Eddie. It's something I... I <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, on a short answer, yeah, but the... Star um, GTFO. The... Uh, <laughs> It's it's something I had nine months of pregnancy and sort of the last few months to think about, and I've got I've got some time. Firstly, let's make sure he can crap on his own, and uh, you know he can actually move his head with his neck muscles, I'm, and let and let let his skull form over uh, completely. Yeah, let's get through that, and then we'll start talking about five months. But um, no, but this ne- is the time to show him Michael Bay, Eddie. <laughs> <laughs> I seriously had him on my lap watching fights last month, and and he was like transfixed. I don't want to show him too much TV at an early age because of studies of developmental stuff, but but no. Um, as far as fr- Franchises go but when you do show him TV, you show him fighting. <laughs> Actually, yeah, and I'll and I'll that's Violence a separate and gore. That, that's a separate answer. Um, I you know my father had a pretty good uh, way of doing it. He he didn't he didn't want to lie to me. He didn't want to hide stuff from me. And and he want context was a lot of things. There was no hard and fast rule about sex or violence or anything like that. He didn't show me vertigo until I was 17. And I kept asking him why. He's like, oh, well, I'll explain later. And then I finally saw it. And then he, we finally sat down to watch Vertigo. And uh, I'm like, why did you wait this long? He's like, you initially asked me when you were 13. You hadn't had a relationship yet. You hadn't fallen in love yet. You hadn't been obsessed with a woman yet. You would have no idea how Your to understand this movie. Your dad sounds awesome. Well, and that's and that's that's the thing. And like, so he he put a lot of thought about every movie. It wasn't just what was available at Blockbuster. He he was very receptive to my interests, and so he knew I was into martial arts before we started our film club. Uh, so the first movies he showed me were the Samurai Trilogy, starting to share Mifune. It was the biographical movies about Miyamoto Musashi. So I'm like, sweet, fucking samurais. But from that, he sort of like spoon-fed me data on, on, on these things. And when it comes to um, my son, I don't want to dictate my taste to him. I'm into very specific stuff. I want to listen more than I want to tell him. I want to show him and involve him. These are the things that your dad's like. That your dad likes. These are why your dad thinks they're awesome. What do you think? I, and if there may be movies that I'm not that into, that he may go bug nuts crazy for. And I want to just involve him in the conversation. Like, I, there I, will be some equivalent of Twilight ten years from now. They're going to go, oh my god, and really? that's fine. And I'll, I'll allow him time to like it, and I'll allow him time to but, develop but his own over. taste. But then it's done. <laughs> All right, now here's the thing. Though. But here's the, okay. Go oh, ahead. Oh, no, finish well, your... I was, I was going to say the the thing with it is that I I more than anything I don't care so much. I don't want him to mimic my taste. I don't want him to um, 
I just want him to think critically about why he responds to something. And I want him to ask stuff. I want to like lead him on a path where he's able to ask questions of himself. That's the best gift I think I can give to him. What movies I'm going to show him. I think, I think Lord of the Rings trilogy is actually a good starting place uh, when he reaches a certain age. I think that's a good, like, okay, this is what movies can be. Star Wars as well. The very first Star Wars I want to show him and literally be like, okay, the, the Empire and Jedi and that's it. That's, that's, all, that's all that's in the house. Um, when that's he turns, all Star Wars he turns 18, is. he can find out about Exactly. It's like he's Amish, you know? Um, yeah. So... <laughs> So and, and and you get three weeks to decide if you really want this. And more more than anything, I just I want to be I want to listen to like what's going on in his life, and I I want a movie and that respond kind of in like, kind with a movie. Exactly, it's yeah. like you're building a playlist. In now, a way, yeah. Mad Bad Coyote points out something that I think is a good question for you, Eddie. Uh, which uh, is that? No, I will not be your dad. My, no, although no, no, I no, love no, you, not that question, not that question. <laughs> you're, what if your son grows up and he starts developing his personality mm-hmm. and. If thirteen, fourteen, <laughs> yeah. he starts to realize and he, and he comes out and he doesn't like Star Wars. I'm fine with that. Uh, he can, you will still he, accept and love him as if he, he's your he own. He has. He cannot like Star Wars. He cannot like Lord of the Rings. He cannot like fighting. I recognize that I'm so damn nerdy that there's a solid chance my kid is going to be knocking books out of kids' arms. The, the Pat like, Oswald. My son's going to be a Navy SEAL. Right. Indeed. Yeah. And, exactly. And, and, hey, Dad. And, I threw I'm, your Blade Runner gun on the roof. I'm full. <laughs> the thing is, is that my father and I were extraordinarily different people. But the thing we always came together over was movies, and not necessarily that we agreed on all the movies, but just that we had a conversation and an honest conversation about the movies. And that's what I look forward to more. Not even necessarily watching the movies but the conversations right on matt Veda. what yes. would you like to see in a new alien movie the answer cannot include uh there has to be an alien in it Aww. yeah well uh, i was really looking forward to what ridley scott was going to do showing us where the uh where the the derelict pilot came from but apparently that's not going to happen I, i'd still really like to see where they come from uh i'd it, i'd also like to see the the them do a proper uh, alien versus predator really yeah, the, the yeah we. I'm not even going to talk about the the second one's slightly better than the first one, but they're still the, no right on bad. Uh, Chloe, the last question for you. Oh yeah. Have you always been around geeks, or is your presence a university research project like Diane Fossey? And if so, are you concerned about being murdered by geek poachers? What do poachers want with geeks? Well, they, what do they want with gorillas? Our pelts. Yeah. Yeah. Our our, our hands are an aphrodisiac. <laughs> Our iPads. <laughs> Your the pelts and the lack of exposure to sun makes them extremely valuable oh, yeah. in their pliability. You didn't know that makes lovely wallets. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> have you always been around geeks, or is your presence a, uh, a research project? <laughs> I've always been a geek. I've always been a sci-fi nerd. I was yeah. kind of into comic books, not really. I was more into like I got into comic books because I'm kind of spooky with uh, the Joan and Vasquez. <laughs> kinda. I'm not really spooky. Oh, um, okay. Backs away slowly. Whatever. <laughs> I don't know. But, um, yeah, Joan and Vasquez got me into comics when I was early teenhood, and I started reading kind of alternative comics, and then that led to more mainstream comics. But so it's, I never... it's not an accident or a calculation that you associate with nerds? Not really, no. All, like, I, all of my friends were guys growing up. They all did nerdy things. I participated. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right. You guys, so. you guys don't know how lucky you are that there are girl nerds now. We had <laughs> no kidding. We had none when I grew up. None whatsoever. Well, I think we've reached the end of the anniversary show, also fellas. The dude nerds were in the closet too at that point. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I like Arwen too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you were lucky, there were like four at your high school, and that, you know, then to realize that there was, they're, they're all over the place. We actually, we actually rule the world. I mean, I mean, over the course of my lifetime. 
nerds went from literally the outcast to we run the freaking planet well, now. I think that's the internet too. Yeah, because now the now the jocks are the ones like debating. No, man, the fourth Star Wars is the best. You know, it's well, like well, the internet is the perfect forum for who would win in a this fight, which yeah. is the base of nerdism. Like, <laughs> for anyone that missed the uh, nerds and Babeland interview on the press page, which is a good interview, it's like an hour long. Uh, there's a line that Dorkman had that I want to repeat so that everyone hears it, which is that um, the Big Bang Theory is like nerd blackface. Yeah. It really <laughs> is. It really yeah. 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 It's it's just uh, Tim Heidecker from Tim and Eric did a thing where he edited out the laugh track yeah. of, and yeah. it's, it's spectacularly horrific. bad how horrible that show is. And yeah, my ex is really into it. And I'm just like, really, you're kind of disgracing our kind here. Like, yeah. It's just... yeah, it makes me sad. Anyway, so I guess that has been down in front. <laughs> And you can, hey, applause, I guess. two years. That has been two years of down in front. And hey, really quickly, Teague, who does an awesome job of running this, thank you again for providing the the wherewithal to come up with this and this forum for this. No applause. No no applause for me. Okay, there it is. Smattering. Smattering, smattering. Thank you very much. A healthy smattering for yourself. Yeah, I like my smatters. Uh, uh, I went to Branson and saw the smatters. They weren't as good as they used to be. I loved Harbor Lights. I saw them before they were big, man. Harbor Lights. Uh, You can always find more episodes at downinfront.net. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Get a brand new episode every single week. They're mostly movie commentaries. Subscribe. You get to the forum. You involve yourself in the conversation. We announce the live shows. Then we go to the chat room. And then you can do that with us. And it's cool. It's all announced on the forum. The chat room is at downinfront.net slash live if you just want to get lucky. Facebook.com slash downinfrontshow. Twitter.com slash downinfront. Email us at downinfrontshow at gmail.com. Buy stuff from our store and um, buy Pepsi. Buy Pepsi. <laughs> Pepsi's and, awesome. Uh, I'm drinking one huh. right now. Look. Thank you very much yes, to uh, Matt Fadevada for the show notes and chapter breaks in iTunes. Smatter, smatter, smatter. And uh, Holden Hill for designing the website. Smatter, the Android smatter. Marketplace contains an i uh, an i. Uh, a, a droid app you can, stre- you can stream down in front you can stream down in front from your phone we're working on the iPhone app right now it's all going to come out soon and until next time my name is T. Christie Brian Pinninger Mike Scott Trey Stokes Ryan Weaver Matt Vader Eddie Doty and this has been Down in Front thank you very much for listening good night good night thank you for two years, <laughs> yeah, two years. happy copyrighted song to us <laughs> and to 20 more yeah yeah, yeah. Wait, what wait what <laughs> no I was doing down in front before there was remember, movies. Remember when yeah, there was some good times? Barbara Stanwyck and I used to <laughs> ride the trolley. Loretta Swift had a. Trendsinyourhead.com.